Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of A La Carte with Keithy. I am your host, Keithy Langston, and today we are looking at episode five. I mean, that's amazing. I can't believe I'm getting people to actually listen to me and my nonsense. I know I say that every week, but I'm going to keep saying it until somebody tells me to shut up about it. But right now, I would like to bring in my special guest co-host for the week. Uh, This is yet another one of my personal favorites. I have known this gentleman almost as long as I've known L.A. Chris. And the only reason I don't know him as long is because we did not go to preschool together. We went to kindergarten and up, or as us people from Malden call it, kindergarten. Uh, So I would like to bring in the man, the myth, the legend, uh, the other Chris in my life. Uh, This is Boston Chris. Hello, Chris. How are you today? Hello, Keithy. It's wonderful to, to hear you today. Yes, uh, I am very excited to have you on. Um, I know that uh, you are also uh, one of my best friends in the whole wide world. Uh, you also had me as your best man. <laughs> you are... yeah, w- w- one of many. <laughs> what are you up to, nine? Uh, nine? <laughs> I mean, I think I've told you before. I mean, I have a premise for a movie that's just basically this dumb asshole is just like the best man to everybody. And uh, I even know who I want to play in it is I want the main character to be played by Haley Joel Osment because he's just, he has, I mean, if I could pick the perfect Hollywood counterpart to myself, I mean, of course he's probably like 150 pounds lighter than me, but that's saying still that he's a chubby guy, you know, not lately, not lately, but uh, I just have this perfect vision of him being like the everyman and, so I'm going to develop this movie. It's not as awesome as the movie idea or the TV show idea that you and I had when we were driving around in L.A. Do you remember that that was? Yeah. Who 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 did we end up figuring out was the actor? Okay. Uh, so the, pre- the premise was we were just going to pick a random actor and try to track them down. And then, oh, was yeah. it Jim J. Bullock? I think originally it was Jim J. Bullock. Yeah. And because uh, then we started to, and it was. The premise was is that there's two people from the East Coast who go out to California to go out to L.A. to visit their friend. Mm-hmm. You know, where do we get that idea? And then uh, they end up going to a person like a former celebrity's house and they see the person like just doing yard work and they end up like having a conversation and they realize that this person is really just like down on their luck and has like nothing going for them. And the thing that the concept that they always was hilarious is that like it cuts to there. The two friends are on an airplane and they're coming back and they're like, Hey man, can you believe that we ran into Jim J Bullock? How crazy is that? And then the camera pans into the back of the plane and you see Jim J Bullock just peer out to the side with real devilish eyes. And so the premise is that he follows them. It's a reverse entourage. That's he follows the end of the them pilot back. right there. <laughs> he follows them back. And then he ends up becoming like their hanger on. And it's just, it's like, and, and then the gag could be like every week they run into somebody who remembers Jim J. Bullock. We we landed on Jim J. Bullock, but we had somebody else originally, and we yeah, actually looked was, him up. Yeah. And I remember finding this guy's address, yeah, and it was way too was far it? away. And I, I wanna, really don't remember who it was. I can't either. I can't remember. It wasn't like Screech. Well, Screech is dead now, but it was like, it was somebody I feel like on the lines of like Screech, where he was like a... He was like the eighth person in the cast of like a show. Like, what, was it somebody that was in Ski Patrol? <laughs> yes, 
I think it yes. was somebody in Ski yes, Patrol. Yes, it was in Ski. It was, it was. Oh, I know exactly what it was. It was the guy that was, um, he had like the dual faces, I think, in Ski Patrol. And Wasn't we looked him guy? up and his house was like a dump. <laughs> and I think he was divorced. Like we, all, all sorts of stuff was online about him. Was it like, was it Sean Sullivan? Was that who it was? That actually <laughs> sounds really familiar. I think it might have been think, Sean Sullivan. Because I think we knew him. He was, he was the guy, Phil, in Wayne's World that like almost threw up in the car. That was the guy. Yeah, and that, that was, the, was guy. the guy. I think you and I don't know why, other than Ski Patrol, that we were talking about him. I mean, that's a friggin' oh god, Ski Patrol. Jesus, we, we just yeah, we we went deep and just picked a random <laughs> weirdo. I mean, considering that like the great director Paul Feig is in uh, Ski Patrol, we could have done him, but no, no, we went with the guy that has no existence anymore. Uh, we could have had Leslie Jordan, but he just passed away. George Lopez is also in that show, <laughs> in that movie. Martin Mull. Oh, my God. That movie actually had, like, a killer cast, like, in today's day and age. It just was terrible back then. Anyway, so. All sorts of people. So, we are going to start off today with a new bit. I keep having new bits, which is great. And this one is called Rotten Rewrite. And the premise of this movie is my co-host and I will pick a movie that Rotten Tomatoes has officially declared rotten. And we are going to try to see if we can figure out what would make this movie much more palatable to a greater audience. Now, for those who don't know, Rotten Tomatoes is basically the benchmark nowadays as to whether or not a movie is good or not. And they usually have two different, they have two different scores. They have a tomato score or toma tomato meter. And a tomato meter is all the, uh, professionals like the late great Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert and then there's an audience score which is everybody that wants to every you know clown with a iPhone can go in and say this fucking movie rules so we're gonna take the tomato meter score because we assume that a movie critic probably knows more um, in this case however both scores were shitty so it worked out even better and the movie we're gonna pick it's gonna be a tough one and it is the 1986 Cinematic masterpiece. Magnum opus. Magnum opus of the one great George Lucas. <laughs> and that is Howard the Duck. That's right. The movie that launched Leah Thompson and Tim Robbins and Jeffrey Jones into the ether. <laughs> so, I mean, you go through, you look at the list of people in this movie, and some of these people are big players, like uh, Paul Gilfoyle. Uh, and then I don't know if uh, Richard Edson, who he was the guy that drove. Uh, you did Ferris's... catch him in there. Oh yeah, he drove Ferris's. Uh, what was the car that Cameron destroyed? Uh, Nineteen sixty-one Ferrari. Yeah, so he's in that. So I mean, uh, this... little, little bit of more trivia about yes. Richard Edson. He was okay. the original drummer for Sonic Youth. Get the fuck out of here! Get the oh. fuck out of here! Nice. Get the fuck out of here! De dead serious. No, I cannot. That's awesome. My brother was amazed at how many people played Howard the Duck in this movie. There was like seven people. Yeah, yeah, a lot of. People. I think. Um, I feel like Ed Gale is the one that gets most of the credit. Ed Gale, also known for playing Chucky, so Ed uh, Gale was was Chucky. He was actually in the suit. Yeah. So uh, I think Chip, that uh, Chip Zine was the voice of Howard the Duck. Oh, okay. Look at you. Look at all the research you did. Yeah. So now... I have a little bit of trivia about that, too. We can talk about that in a little bit. Oh, well, go ahead. What's the trivia? Uh, well, 
uh, one of the reasons this movie was so terrible, not to mm-hmm. bury the lead or anything, uh, Robin Williams was actually signed on to be the voice of Howard the Duck. <laughs> and he quit after a week because uh, he just... He felt kind of uh, like he couldn't he couldn't be himself. Uh, he kind of had to his uh, all of his uh, dialogue had to be uh, synced up with the animatronic beak. And he mm. just couldn't do it. Everything had to be like really well planned out. And he just was he's all about improv and funny. And he quit after about a week. It seems I mean, that's that actually sucks. That's kind of like the story that you heard, like Chris Farley was supposed to be Shrek. Mm-hmm. And then although I think Chris Farley actually died while they were like still doing like production for shrek so i mean it sounds it's, about right yeah but i mean you hear the uh the tapes that they have of farley talking to eddie murphy it's the onion i think it's the onion conversation and uh and it's just it's 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 a totally different character like it's chris farley doing like his his regular voice you know there was no scottish inflection on there <laughs> so got, got a little bit of trivia for you i have oh. never seen shrek Really, you never seen Shrek? Never, those are those never are bad movies. Shrek. Those are pretty. But I have, movies. I have seen Howard the Duck uh, more than once. So, <laughs> so have I. Uh, <laughs> now, for anybody that don't doesn't know about about Howard the Duck, Howard the Duck was a fictional character. Obviously, uh, he appeared in Marvel comics uh, going all the way back to 1973. He made his first appearance. Um, he is from Duck World. And he has really kind of, I mean, he's not really like, I I mean, I guess the best thing we could say is that his, his superpower is that he's a master of quack foo. um, And that is kind of it. I mean, he has been kind of a, which is kind of silly. If if you've seen the film, the quack foo is kind of lacking. Yes, very much. It's just kind of a lot of slapping and jumping into people and and screaming, you know? And, uh, (laughs) and I think that, uh, He's kind of been a fringe character for a long time, so it's kind of odd that this was like th- this is really like the first Marvel movie. Yeah, I mean, ni- nineteen eighty six. Yeah, like um, I think this but... is this is before the the Roger Corman Fantastic Four and uh, that that weird Captain America that came out. And yeah. I mean, well, I think technically they did do an Incredible Hulk and Thor, where but it was like a spinoff of the Incredible Hulk show. But this is really like the first yeah, Marvel, it's the first movie. like big budget studio backed, yeah, um, release for Marvel. Other than, uh, according to the internet, the uh, 1944 serials of Captain America, right, right, which were released in theaters, you know, at which the that's time. not even that's not even really Marvel at the time, right? Wasn't that timely? Yeah, like yeah. Marvel. Yeah, it wasn't Marvel. Real, didn't even pro- exist Marvel yet. proper. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is George Lucas produced this, so George Lucas coming off just three years after. Uh, Revenge of the not Revenge of the Return of the Jedi. So I mean, George Luke also just coming off of I, what co-producing or at least producing the Indiana Jones movies. Um, you know, so I mean, George Lucas at this point is major player in Hollywood, and he decided to you know produce this film. And uh, a lot of people don't know why. I mean, this is this is not it's not a joke. Most people that you talk to, if you bring this up, they go, "Ugh, that movie's so bad." And now I'll just real quickly, I'll go over the plot real quick. I'm not going to read the plot from like the Wikipedia page. You could if you wanted to, but uh, long story short, too long didn't read. Howard is taken away from Duck World, which is a planet similar to Earth. Um, And then he gets sucked out of his apartment building and ends up in Cleveland, Ohio, of all places. And uh, once he goes there, he ends up running into Beverly Switzler, who's played by Leah Thompson. 
and uh, she's in a band. Obviously, she's a 1980s rock singer. And, Cherry uh, bomb. Cherry bomb. Yep, yeah, looks a lot like um, like Debbie Gibson, and uh, <laughs> I feel like. But um, yeah, if if you haven't if you haven't seen the film, just picture it's a 25 year old Leah Thompson. I mean, oh, she fresh is... off of Back to the Future. She's just. Oh. She, she was a big selling point for the film. I think, oh, yeah. You know, she's, she's, I, I mean, I watching this recently, she's gorgeous. Gorgeous. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, she does have a couple of scenes where she's very scantily clad. Uh, and I'll tell you right off the bat, there's a, there's almost a sex scene between her and the duck, uh, which is, <laughs> you can do with that with the will. Yeah. But I mean, in that, it's, I mean, she's, I think that's why it failed, really. Uh, I mean, it could have. I mean, I think if they had shown full duck penetration yep. with the with the, they, with the squirrely yep. quirly dick, everybody would duck. have been talking about that movie. I mean, just remember, most ducks have a squirrely quirly dick, you know. So that would have been interesting to see. Um, but yeah, and then and then there's uh, another demon, or uh, not another demon. Although when somebody might, some people thought Howard was a demon, but there's a demon that comes down and uh, takes over uh, the lead scientist at this institute in Cleveland. And they decide that they want to bring down more of these demons. And then Howard ends up saving the day and all is well. And then the earth finally accepts him. Unlike sacrificing his ability to go home in the process. Yes. Yes. The ultimate sacrifice makes uh, the decision to to stay on earth with the second, the second to most worst sacrifice. (laughs) And then, uh, Saves the day and Earth accepts him. Unlike most minorities, Earth hasn't accepted fully. So let's just move on from there. So now, um, this is a this is a tall order. I feel like, but I feel like it is doable. So I want your feedback on some things. And if you have some more trivia and other facts and factoids, I mean, by all means, this is a perfect time for us to do this. So feel free, have at it. You have carte blanche in this case. Well, what, what was the first thing I? Said? said to you when you said uh, what could we have done to make howard the um, duck a better film and i said <laughs> st- i said you should have st- stayed away from the pedophiles and not, not cast them in your film and i was like you know before yesterday wa- re-watching this film because i haven't seen howard the duck probably since i was 12 years old maybe it was probably 1990 1991 or something mm-hmm. i might have even watched it with you or maybe yeah. it was la chris yeah um and until yesterday i thought that the child pornography was the worst thing that Jeffrey Jones had ever done in his career. <laughs> and, you know, after today, I feel a little differently. Wow. Um, Don't forget, how, that guy was an Ed Wood. <laughs> exactly. But, ho- however, uh, another little bit, bit of trivia I found out uh, looking, you know, preparing for, for, for this show. Uh, Ed Gale, who was the, the guy in the suit, who I guess at the time was probably like 23 years old, Yep. Uh, you know, he's obviously much older now. He's uh, almost 60. Uh, just recently in April was accused by a group of online predator oh. hunters oh. Uh, attempting to solicit sex from multiple oh. minors, oh. Uh, one male among them, who he allegedly believed to be 14 years old. So he and Jeffrey Jones have a lot in common. And so he, when you go on his... <laughs> maybe not having all the pedophiles in your movie could have made it a better film, but I don't know. Nobody knew at the time, I guess. Uh, well, nobody knew about Jeffrey Jones, I think, cause I don't think, I think Jeffrey Jones hid that fact for many, many years, but, uh, 
and and yeah. yeah, and another thing about Jeffrey Jones is I don't think he ever really wanted any kind of fame or recognition. I feel like he just enjoyed acting, but didn't mm. like all the recognition that went with it. Um, yeah, and you know, it's like funny. Like I was trying to put myself in the mindset of when this film came out, and like what other films were kind of produced and released around the same time. And you know, you figure like what, Ferris Bueller was 1986, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. was the same year. Mm-hmm. And you know he was such a such a funny part of that movie. I mean, he oh, was yeah. just playing that role of like you know it, he was just really funny in it. And you know that movie did really well, mm-hmm. unlike this movie. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I actually I was looking at some some budgets to to compare budgets of films that came out that year. Yeah, and for some reason the budget of this film, Howard the Duck, again magnum opus. <laughs> was 37 million dollars. Oh god. Which in 1986 money was kind of crazy money. That is uh, crazy money. I, I I did the math cuz I'm a nerd and it's about 102 million dollars in today's oh dollars. And I couldn't imagine I, I feel oh. like you and I Keithy could take a couple of iPhones and make a better film today probably with like all of the technology and the technological advances um but it, it it was a thirty-seven million dollar budget, and it grossed thirty-seven million nine hundred and sixty-two thousand seven hundred and seventy-four dollars. <laughs> so it actually grossed uh, more more money than than a lot of films that were considered like not failures because they only had a three million dollar budget, so they mm. actually made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I was looking at the the top ten movies of nineteen eighty six, and uh, Top Gun being the you know cream of the crop, number one. Oh yeah. Top, uh, Top Gun made three hundred and fifty-seven million dollars oh. on a budget of. Can you guess? Uh, I'll say thirty thirty-seven million. Fifteen million. Okay, all right. So, so they made Top yeah. Gun for like two and a half times less than Howard the Duck. Yeah, I can't even believe that. Like you know, looking at all that, like I mean, how did where they make is... Top Gun for like where did that money go? I yeah, feel like where did the money go? Well, where did the money go in friggin' Howard the Duck if they were well, able to that, that, that's what I mean. Well, I, yeah. I feel like I so I I saw something that said the duck suit alone cost two million dollars <sighs> because it was animatronic and but also I feel like I you and I in our garage could have come up with something for a lot cheaper than two million bucks and surprisingly rewatching it because i thought it was going to look terrible it really doesn't look that bad it's goofy as hell and it's fucking stupid but like you know when (laughs) it's fucking we're supposed to be saving this movie chris when 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 gilfoyle you know when paul gilfoyle playing the cop comes in later and, and you know he goes in the room and he's you know confronting howard for the first time he comes around the desk yeah and it actually does not look that bad like it looks pretty good and i was like okay well that was one of the reasons i assumed this movie did so poorly was because it didn't look real it just looks real cheesy yeah the duck looked real but the later in the film the dark overlord parts weren't that great even though they that's Mm. where a lot of the money went because they they did a lot of um you know special effects that weren't really around at the time and they developed a lot of that stuff right um but i feel like they could have done you know and like puppets and stuff and been better off than doing that. So I was recently when I was watching it, I was looking at the dark. So the dark All right, One of the things I will say, I will give credit. I think that the duck costume actually is great. I do. I think it's great. I, I uh, agree. I agree. I'm a big fan of, of, I'm a big fan of 
practical effects versus like CGI and stuff like that. So I was very excited that, you know, they ended up, they had that with, you know, all the ducks at the beginning of the duck world, including the duck titties. Uh, that's they, all they were really duck titty heavy. They I really was going to mention that they, they were. really, really went like whole hog on the duck titty. Oh, like that duck is probably a solid C, <laughs> if not D cup. I mean, the thing that I was disappointed in though is that she didn't have six duck titties because I'm pretty sure ducks have multiple titties. <laughs> but you know, that is an excellent point. Do is that true? I, I don't I mean, know much about duck anatomy. I, I'll have I to ask my brother-in-law. He uh, has a degree in animal husbandry. <laughs> I think you should. I don't know. But, I mean, I'm assuming that. That's I'm an ass- excellent question. Actually, That's you know it, what? I don't know. All... Do, yeah, birds. do bird, <laughs> Birds don't nurse. I, I don't think birds nurse. Like, no. So no, maybe they don't. they don't. So they maybe don't they do no. just have two titties. Maybe they have no titties. I mean. Really? They have no titties. Have you well, ever seen titties on a duck? I've never seen titties on a duck, but we eat duck breast, and I mean that's what a titty uh, is—is is breast. You know what? You you make a valid technical argument. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess the only time we're ever going to see more than two breasts or more than two titties is if we watch uh, to- Total Recall. So I guess that's it. But uh, no, I mean, I would assume that no, I don't think ducks. Ha- I don't think birds have more than two if they if they even have like. Well, everything. Every they, I think they don't have. Like. They don't have nipples. I have nipples, Greg. All right, let's let's Google this. Okay. <laughs> Do I ducks think, have nipples? Yeah. Let you Google it. I'm not doing it on my computer. <laughs> You're gonna get on some kind of list. Birds <laughs> don't have nipples as they are not mammals. Huh. That is the, that okay. is the sub the sub uh, the subtext here. So That's if the name it of was, the show. birds do was, not have nipples. If it was a dog, the dog would have six titties, but not. If it's a duck. Okay, so we figured that out. Okay, so I guess the two titties is even a stretch, but they had it anyway. Uh, but again, going back, like all those duck suits are great. And I I commend them on that. Um, the Dark Overlord, that's the CG. I mean, it's not even really CGI, but that's the CGI of 1986. It looks real fake. Uh, yeah. And the Dark Overlord monster kind of looks like a Rancor. So I feel like yes, George Lucas exactly. had just taken, if he I was just took the Rancor, it. if he just took the Rancor puppet, added mm-hmm. a couple of fucking arms or whatever, like it would have been fine. And I think most Absolutely. people, and I think most people would have been like, Haha, it's a fucking Rancor. That's awesome. And people probably would have been excited by it. So you could have been talking about that as an Easter egg. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, uh, that could have been something that might've been, you know, positive. I mean, I like that they kind of had, you know, Leah Thompson's Leah Thompson and Jeffrey Jones are probably the two biggest names at this time. Um, and that's just because of the two big movies that they had just come off of. Yep. Um, but I mean, Tim Robbins is in it and maybe you get, maybe you get an equal star with Leah Thompson to be the co-star but I guess the co-star is the duck. So, I mean, <laughs> you have to. Yeah, I, I think Leah Thompson's the draw, certainly. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I think... so Chip Sign, by the way, yeah, never really heard of him until recently, Look, you know, looking at this oh, film. Yeah. Um, he's had a 50-year career in theater and film, and he's oh. still active today. A uh, little bit of trivia for you, Keithy. I don't know if you looked up anything about Chip Zine. His yeah. most recent television credit, yeah, was Lenny Lefkowitz in Ghosts. 
He played Trevor's dad. Oh, nice. And he oh, really? Voice, he is the voice of Howard the Duck. Oh, that's awesome. I knew you'd get a kick out of that. I love that show. Everybody should watch Ghost. That is a Ghost great is, show. Let's, Ghost we're going to plug that awesome. every show. We're going to plug that awesome. every show. Absolutely. I love that I, show. I and, watch uh, that every week. And it's great because that was like, not to go off topic, but that's what we do here. But um, that was a British show <laughs> that they took over. And I've actually watched like a couple of the British episodes and equally as funny, you know? So I, I actually watched that first. And I think that the guys that I think the guys that write the English version or the American version, you can tell they were huge fans of the British version. So it's good. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chip Chip Zine. I mean, th- yeah, he's a he he was a name in Hollywood, I'm sure. But I think, yeah, I think having Robin Williams would have been obviously the, the biggest hit, the big draw. Um, yeah. Chip Zine certainly wasn't like a big name no in, in no. film at the time and, no. and still isn't obviously i mean most people don't know who he is yeah you know uh for example after howard the duck he was in uh the shelly long film hello again and played reporter <laughs> number four so uh i've seen hello again yeah <laughs> actually i, I like... think another, another again 30 years ago i probably saw that <laughs> I've he played Bippy actually... the clown on an episode of wings i've actually seen that recently too because it was like one of the free on on youtube movies <laughs> yeah it's real sad but yeah so he's, um, he's definitely not the draw so hmm. leah thompson was the draw robin williams certainly would have been the draw and i think yeah. that um you know i think that this movie made back like like 16 million domestically or something and it wow. made five million the first weekend and i think if robin williams was attached it probably would have made its money back in the first yeah. weekend yeah so i think uh, i think you have <laughs> but it didn't. It, it didn't so that's that's step number one to make this a better film uh don't let robin williams quit a weekend sure basically the bottom line yeah i mean you have to i think that's that's a that's a that's a must yeah because what else must. in 1986 was i mean was mork and mindy still on back then um what was he what was he in the middle of back then oh god he probably was just in the middle of doing like stand-up maybe i don't even know if robin williams was like was, was like his first movie that he did. Oh, um, Morgan Mindy was done in '82, so he was already. He was already into into. Oh, oh no! Good Morning Vietnam was right after it. Yeah. Oh, he I'm... did Popeye. Popeye in 1980. Oh yeah, so, so he Popeye... had already done Moscow on the Hudson. Hmm. Uh, I mean, he didn't do anything like huge until Good Morning Vietnam, probably in '87. Yeah, Club Paradise was a was a decent hit. That's a Harold Ramis movie, so that's that's like you know a. Uh... That's something people would have probably, yeah. it, but that's all 86 too. So that makes sense. I mean, but, but I but think that's really the like, thing. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, I think he kind of went back to do, cause wasn't that around the time that he started doing the, uh, Coke, like, like him, yeah, like all the time, Coke. No, I was going to say the, uh, the, the comedy specials with Billy Crystal and, uh, yeah, Goldberg, I think that, right? I think that started around, uh, like, was it like 84, 86? Yeah. Yeah, like comics come start? home. Was Comi- it comics come home? That, no, it's not comics come home. It's um, why can't I remember the name of it? Yeah, I can't uh, remember. I can't remember the, the wow. The it's comic been a long time. Comic yeah. relief. Comic relief. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, comic relief. Yeah. But the, the the thing with him not doing this film in '86 is that you know obviously after this film was released and it did so poorly and everybody talked about how they hated it. This leading up to it nobody expected it to bomb i mean this was supposed to be the summer blockbuster like absolutely it was supposed to be a huge film like Mm -hmm. you know 
we're going to, we've got this property that, you know, has been around for, you know, a long time. People mm-hmm. like it. It had its mm-hmm. own comic series. Mm-hmm. We're going to try something new. We, we talked about Lucas being like, you know, off of Jedi and, and Jesus, almost Indiana an Jones and all that. He, he could do whatever he wanted. And this yeah. is what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, he, he was very familiar with the Howard the Duck comics from when he was in film school and the director of this movie, uh, I forget his name, Willard something or other. Yeah, Willard uh, Hayek. Went, yeah, went to film school with, with George Lucas Yeah, and they knew each other and I guess they kind of talked about it and wanting to do that film and when he got the chance to do it, it was like the first thing he really wanted to do. And yeah, it was supposed to be such a great film and it was supposed to be great. They obviously had, you know, a lot of money in it for a budget mm-hmm. and it just fell flat and i was reading i think it was Ch- chip zine wasn't even invited to the premiere Aww. because i think it leading up to it everybody kind of knew it was gonna bomb and he didn't go to the premiere didn't get invited and Aww. he saw it at his local theater like somewhere in like upstate new york or somewhere in new york and there was like 12 people there and it was like families with kids like little kids and he was going up to them saying like what are you doing here? This is not a, a movie for children. <laughs> this is not a kid's movie. This is not a kid's movie. It's going to get scary later on and the kids are not going to like it. And he yeah. was telling people to leave. Sure. <laughs> you know, only like 10 or 12 people in the theater. Yeah. That's, um, oh, that's sad. But it was supposed to be a big film. And, you know, if you think about like the other films that came out like around the same time, mm-hmm. you look at this one. I mean, you know, obviously like there's that like camp factor to a lot of them, but mm. most of them weren't trying to like put, you know, an animal making them like a person. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a- yeah. well, Aliens, actually Aliens was out right before that and did very well. And again, yeah. they didn't use all the CG. They used, you know, practical effects, practical effects. And yeah. I don't watch Aliens today and think, oh, wow, that looks terrible. No. I think it looks great. You know, it looks great now, even considering that it was made almost 40 years ago. Um, I'm one of the... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go. No, I was going to say, I'm one of the fans of... I'm one of the people who thinks that, like, when George Lucas reissued the original trilogy for Star Wars in, like, the late 90s, that... And he put, like, the CGI, and he added in, like... You know, my biggest gripe is when he took away the uh, the Vaseline on the bottom of the of Luke's land speeder to like <laughs> smudge the wheels because I was like, that's what made that movie great. Is that it was it was a it was the budget at the time, it was the CGI at the time, it was the special mm-hmm. effects at the time, and I liked that. I didn't like that they changed it to what it what the the prequels came on, and then what the later trilogy came. Sometimes it is good to see like practical effects because it, it it just it shows you that they're really trying as opposed to I always go back to that quote that uh, Ian McKellen said about The Hobbit when he was in a room by himself and he's like depressed. He's like, this isn't why I'm an actor. He's like, I don't want to just be in a room by myself like I want to be with actors. And, you know, and I was watching something about Christopher Lee and there's the great scene in The Hobbit where Christopher Lee is there at the you know the small council of elrond and uh he's not even there like because he couldn't go to new zealand because he was like a hundred <laughs> years old so they just had him in like he's oh, i'm in england you know and, and just that's what he was and um i no offense to uh the great chris that's the guy that, that's the kind of guy that'll come back from the grave to kill you is christopher lee just so and then record a follow-up metal album 
about the slaughtering of I killed him <laughs> and stuck a knife and I know what it sounds like. <laughs> anyway, um, how about but, Christopher you know, Lee speaking playing of like the, uh, <laughs> playing but, the dark speak- old lords? Oh, you know, and that's that would have been very good. There was apparently someone different than Jeffrey Jones had the voice of the Dark Overlord, which basically means that Jeffrey Jones had three lines in the entire movie. Bring, bring um, me the code key, Howard. Yeah, <laughs> bring me the code key. Um, but going back to the CG, I was reading this cool article like uh, on online about um, how, like, basically, like, uh, the technology that was used in the matrix really lends itself to stuff that they first developed while making Howard the duck. Um, specifically, and it's funny, not even the dark overlord stuff at the end, um, the opening scene when, you know, Howard's sitting in his recliner and he's smoking a cigar, reading his play duck Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the quake starts to happen and he gets, you know, zipped off to earth. He goes basically flying through all these walls and that's when we see the, the first duck. Oh yeah. 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 So the, the way that they kind of did that, um, was a way I got to find the article. They, they, it was something they'd never done before. And they used basically like some kind of printer that could like, they edited frame by frame and did it. And it was the first time anybody did it, but it was, they were able to remove all of the, um, uh, the uh, what's it called the wires without oh. actually like I guess they would a lot of times put like Vaseline mm-hmm. on the film and like but it would look weird yeah and this was actually kind of editing the film not huh. quite digitally but like they were editing it like actually they did it in a computer that's another thing um, Lucas thought that this movie was going to do so well he first, you know, he built his uh, Skywalker ranch right around this time for $50 million. And then the movie bombed and he had to start selling stuff off. So he sold the animation department for Lucasfilm to Steve Jobs. Oh, and that, and that uh, as a way to Pixar? get some money back. And that ended up becoming, it became Pixar. Wow. Uh, so there's like a lot of st- it's actually like kind of cool. There's a lot like the the story behind Howard the Duck is actually kind of crazy. This is like a very um, butterfly and, you know, effect. Yeah, and you know, we talk about it being a terrible movie and it's not I mean, it's not a terrible movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I could watch it again and enjoy <laughs> it. Um, but you know, it's like you look at it, it made I know that the 37 million quote unquote for the budget doesn't always include like all the promotion and everything mm-hmm. but it made back 37.9 it didn't make two million you know like it it, yeah. it made almost no, I mean, the money it, back it, if not people making went to back. see it like people went to see it and i think that uh it was it probably did very well probably like its first weekend and then everybody was like don't go see that well it it, it only made i want to say five million dollars its first weekend yeah it, so it that's really Oh geez, nobody went to see it. Wow, and that's right. I mean, it wasn't. So that's like everybody yeah. that saw it on like Friday. So told made, everybody on yeah. Saturday, don't go. It opened in fifteen hundred and fifty-four theaters, and it made thirty-one percent of its gross on the opening weekend. Yeah. Um, but also, I was kind of curious, like why? And I was looking at what other films came out that day, August first, nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. 1986. yeah. Um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six which actually made more money that opening weekend. It made 
almost Har, seven million. Har has always had a niche, though. I know yeah. people who. I mean, that's why they still make like five hundred purges a year because it's just yep. people go to horror movies. Uh, nothing in common came out that day. All right, uh, so that's that's a, yeah, that's the uh, that's the um, Jackie Gleason Tom Hanks movie, yeah. right? And and yeah. another one that's kind of in the same vein, which I think would have been more family oriented and probably it, looking at the numbers didn't really get all the money, but. Uh, Flight of the Navigator came out that day. Oh, okay, yeah. And out yeah, of all those the... movies, that's the movie that I remember the most being, you know, I mean, I was seven years old or six years old sure. when that came out. Yeah, we probably went to see it. I, I, my family probably went to see it, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, that's like the kind of, the, you know, and then you've got like, within two weeks, you've got, uh, I mean, these are, Manhunter came out, the Transformers movie came out, uh, The Fly came out with Jeff Goldblum. And then the week after uh, Howard the Duck, uh, Stand By Me came out. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, like, there were a lot of great movies kicking around that summer. And yeah. after the first go around with Howard the Duck, people are like, oh, this is fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> don't go see that piece of shit. Like, don't go see you, it. You, you can't bring your kids because it'll give them nightmares. And uh, adults don't want to see it because it's just like it's like a child in a duck. And they even make the joke like 18 times during the during the movie. Yeah, like, that he looks like a child. Oh, it's, a, it's a kid in a costume, you know? Yeah. So that whole diner scene is fucking... two million dollar costume. <laughs> oh, that which di- was the first wireless uh, like animatronic costume. Ever. Is the Howard the Duck scene? In, is the Howard the, the Duck costume? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, what huh. I saw, it said Yoda had like wires. So like this was like the first like fully, oh, like freestanding like mobile animatronic. Jesus, there's costume. so much like good shit that happened. There really yeah. was this. This movie should have done great, but it was just way too like it was way too campy, and they didn't have a big enough star to carry it. Like Leah Thompson was great, but she's was not the person that's going to like carry a movie. No. And Jeffrey Jones certainly wasn't, and no one knew who Tim Robbins was. Like. It was going to be another year before he did Bull Durham. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say Bull Durham. Yeah, Bull Durham was, what, 87, 88? It was 87. Yeah. Yeah. And even then. Yeah, I mean, he had only been in a handful of, like, small movies. He hadn't even done Hudsucker Proxy yet, had he? No, I think that was, like, 90. (laughs) Yeah. No, like, I looked at this filmography, and I'm like, oh, wow, like, Toy Soldiers in 84. Oh, not Not the Toy Soldiers that we love from... 91 or whatever it was with Luke oh. Jr. Not that Oh, one. okay. Um, this was like a, a different Toy Soldiers. Um, that was his first movie. But yeah, like he was actually in Top Gun, which yes would have been the same time as Howard the Duck, but it didn't make him a draw. And it's not like he had a no, he's like in it for five seconds. It. Yeah. So do you remember he, his name? Do you remember his code name in that? God, I haven't seen Top Gun in a thousand years it was what merlin was it? merlin okay yeah. i did um, watch top gun maverick on the i think it was on the way back from uh yeah. italy last year i watched it on the plane <clears throat> i still haven't seen it i just don't i have no interest in seeing it it's but fun that's me i know it's fun everybody said it's fun yeah um i think that i think that you're correct with if they had a bigger name, see, that's the thing is this movie needed a huge name as Howard the Duck so that you could put yeah. on the poster, you could put yeah. Leah Thompson, Jeffrey Jones, Tim Robbins, and 
Robin Williams as Howard the Duck or, you know, fucking Sean Connery as Howard the Duck or something, you know, like, <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Oh, can, can we do that for a minute? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's see. What, what can we say? I'm the master of quack. Fool. I'm the master of quack fool. <laughs> Which, by the way, they 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 drew on way too way too many times. Like, it, and it wasn't even like they could have made those sequences pretty great. And yeah. it was I, the, the one with uh, Richard Edson at the bar when you know he's he's roughing up the <laughs> the manager. Um, yeah. Which made he no basically sense. he 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 walked down the bar. They 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 threw him down the bar, and then he stands up at the end of the bar, and they look all scared. Mm-hmm. Like really, he's three foot two. Yeah, you know, and he comes over, and when he first hits him, it's the worst slap in the world. Like he doesn't even really hit him, and then he punches him, and it's supposed to be like the knockout punch. But even that wasn't even a good punch. Sure, it, his quack food is like pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I mean, for for that to be like a a big selling point, I don't know, man. <laughs> how how about um. I was worried about you. I missed you. Well, sex appeal. Some guys got it and some guys don't. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let me see. What else can we do? Uh, uh, Filzy, well, uh, help. Filzy, help me. Filzy. <laughs> Never heard of a duck that couldn't swim. Shut up and shave me. Oh, don't even get me started on that whole fucking the, <laughs> the plane, the, the airplane scene with them flying three feet off the ground for like 17 miles like what the fuck was that Uh i'm watching Uh, it going come on it reminded me of um what was the was it escape from la was it escape from new york what was the one with the the sharks with the ah oh was that i think it's is it la do you know what i'm talking about i think i do yeah or is it Uh, it's not it's not um big trouble no, it's Escape no. from L.A. It is. It is Escape from L.A. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Escape from L.A. Yeah, which is not anywhere near like as good the, as the surfing and just... yeah, yeah. Escape from L.A. is but not it's just as like god awful. But uh, no, it is. No, I mean, no, 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 not at all. I I'll actually say that the story itself is not a bad story. And it's I and not. I see. I agree. And I see that like I think the him him getting pulled from a dimension because of something that humans did that's okay him kind of getting lost and not really being you know getting finding beverly and their kind of story is okay him you know them trying to duplicate because i mean they're they're willing to duplicate sending him back so it's like then there's that fuck up with the dark overlords and then he saves the day at the end i mean that's a good story and i was saying that when i was watching it on a rewatch i was like it's not a bad story the best action sequence, though, is when he's fighting the Dark Overlord at the very end, and and it's only because it's got a little bit of that CGI kind of thing in it. Um, but like the one of the things that bothered me about it, it was how many times everybody just picks him up and throws him, <laughs> like you know, like because I'm thinking of it as like, <laughs> well, and that's it. it. It's it's like he's just like a little kid in a costume, you know. Like, he's like, not, and, I, and I hate yeah, to say it, this, but like, he's could supposed you to be this big badass it... with the quack foo, and he but like, knows could quack foo. An... Could you but imagine we just if pick him every... up and throw him out the fucking window? Wait, hold on. Could you imagine if in every episode of Game of Thrones, Tyrion just gets picked up and thrown somewhere? Like, it would just that would just not be good at all. And I just I but feel like that if they're, if they're Game deliberately of Thrones were made making... in 1986. 
by George he Lucas. They would have done that. <laughs> I mean, Tyrion, I, I drink and I know things. Well, you're not going to be the hand of the king anymore. Why is that? <laughs> like, he just gets thrown out of a fucking window. Like, it just doesn't... I don't know. I feel like they're deliberately making fun of little people in this movie. <laughs> like, it's kind if you get into yeah, so, a fight with a little person, just throw them across a bar. <laughs> so that's what they could have done to to yeah. make it better. They could have uh, not had Howard just get thrown all over the place, <laughs> right? Because then it's like then it's like the the quack foo thing doesn't. It's not an equal. It's not an it's not an equal like um, reaction to the action. You know, like if he gets yeah. if he like at the first fight scene in the bar, if he attacks and fucking knockout punch one time and then like Wah! and does like some fucking crazy like split <laughs> and then super kicks or something and the guy goes fine all right that kind of is like a little bit more it's gonna look goofy nonetheless but at least it's a little bit more on par with <laughs> the expectation i don't know the way that they were promoting the quack foo but it, it it was it was heavy on the quack foo yeah and it's just kind of fell flat um all right so Let's uh, let's I, I got yeah, a couple what, of one oh, yeah. thing I will say real yeah. quick. Um, yeah, yeah, they I feel like they had all the pieces in place for for this to be <laughs> at least a decent film. I, like sure. I said, I think that having like a Robin Williams would have gone a long way. But yeah. um, one thing that I didn't realize is that uh, Thomas Dolby did the score, oh. which I mean, for mid 80s, I mean, I feel like that would be like, you know, trent and atticus doing your score now like mm -hmm. you know like just like i don't think you could have done any better back then i feel like that that's where a lot of this money went is that they did the stuff they should have been doing mm. and it just i mean obviously with the, the acting was fucking like leah thompson i don't know i just feel like it was just like terrible terrible acting and i don't know if it's the director uh, yeah she just did not do a good job in my opinion yeah i um, mean i i, I think I, that jeffrey jones did i feel like he did oh a good God. job i mean jeffrey jones carries this fucking movie i mean yeah as much as we don't want to talk about the man because he's kind of a horror show but like yeah. I, I mean i one thing i fucking loved about it was his slow transition yep. into like the dark <laughs> overlord like when he first see him, he's like, oh, and he's making like faces. Then he starts sweating. Then his face starts contorting. They start adding it's like, like men you know, in black. It's yeah. Like, like uh... they start adding like fucking makeup on. Then, he, then there's a fucking scene where he goes into the nuclear reactor. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I go, this is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a movie and I'm going to get, you know, we have to suspend belief. But I feel like if he went into like it would have been. Exactly like Men in Black. Like he would have went into the reactor core and came out as the Dark Overlord because even though he's wearing a Jeffrey Jones suit, it's like <laughs> no, he's wearing a Jennings suit. Um, he, he needs to <laughs> not be in that suit anymore. Like the suit has to deteriorate, right? And it yeah. doesn't. And then it's like as soon as the Dark Overlord gets knocked, quote unquote, knocked out of him or whatever, he's back to like regular Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. Like he's about yeah. ready to go see Catherine well, O'Hara. That makes sense. Yeah. That and I makes went, sense. that makes no sense. Like he should have like unfortunately Dr. Walter Jennings, he should have died. Like once he gets taken over by the Dark Overlord, that's it. I don't know how you come back from yeah. that fucking hook finger thing that came out of his mouth and into the uh <laughs> you know into the uh, into the cigarette lighter and that that was the part when I was a kid that like terrified me, and I and I, oh, not yeah. even from the movie, not even from the movie. I remember it in, um, because uh, my dad bought a lot of comic books, 
you know, all through the 70s, <laughs> yeah. 80s, into yeah. the 90s. And I used to read the ones that I liked. And he had the Howard the Duck, like the film ad- adaptation comics. And oh, I just God. remember that scene being like so fucking strange. Oh, sure. Like that panel of him. It's just like, it's like a, it looks almost like a laser shot coming straight out of his mouth into the, the cigarette lighter. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And I, I love just, it. Yeah. Just, I mean, being like a, you know, whatever, like an eight year old kid, nine year old yeah. kid reading these comics, like a couple of years later, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't even know what's going on. Who would have known that in 85 and 86, we would have had two huge movies with incredibly scary uh, Mack truck scenes with uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Large Marge. <laughs> On top of this one. Oh, uh, uh, the week before this movie came out, Maximum Overdrive. Remember that movie? That <laughs> yes. was out. That was out in the theater when when uh, Howard the Duck was released. And I mean, that's another piece of shit movie. Another I mean, truck movie. Speaking of cocaine, fucking isn't that? Yeah, Jesus, that's the one. My that's, God, that's the one I, that King wrote on. King I don't Rock. even. I don't even think he remembers writing it, directing it, or acting in it. Oh, poor Stephen King. He was. Yeah, that was so much coke on that movie. Is that the only thing he's ever directed? He did direct it, right? Yeah, he directed it and wrote it. Yeah. He yeah, directed I, I, that piece of shit. I think that might be the only thing he directed. I'm sure. And he, I, yeah, it is. And I'm sure that everybody said, yeah, don't let no. He he can write shit, but he's not allowed to direct anything anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh god, maximum overdrive. That's a riot. God, that's so funny. Yeah. But uh I, so, <laughs> so if I was to say if we're but gonna that's try another to... movie, I don't I don't want to get on off topic too much, but that's yeah. another movie. ACDC did the soundtrack, and it's like you know, a, a big budget. Well, it wasn't a huge budget; it was nine million. But like back then, mm-hmm. that's still a lot of money. That's a lot of money in nineteen. You know, and yeah. you know, you've got the De Laurentiis group did it, and yeah, like that, by all accounts, that should be like a legit film. Yeah, Amelia Westerbeth was a big name. It, it was, was just a, such you know? a terrible film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Well, wait. Go who's ahead. the who's the main girl in that? Is it? It's not uh, Yardley Smith. Because <laughs> I'm looking. At she's Laura Laura Harrington. Yeah, Smith Laura... is in it. Oh my god! Yeah, I totally Smith is in it. Laura that. Harrington, who's best known for uh, the, bu- the the Adventures What's of Buckaroo. <laughs> the Adventures of Bucker Buckaroo Bonanza. Oh, Buckaroo Bonanza across the. Are we talking about that again? No, you were saying that you were commenting that. All right, for anybody that's a. <laughs> a constant listener here or return return <laughs> listener here i was listening to episode four with la chris and it was driving i was yelling at my phone mm. they kept calling it buckaroo bonanza and it is buckaroo bonsai and i've never <laughs> seen it but i know that it's buckaroo bonsai and not buckaroo bonanza so that's all i have to say about that but <laughs> i didn't realize i was calling it buckaroo i didn't realize it was called buckaroo bonsai i thought it was called buckaroo bonanza clearly <laughs> clearly because i said it several times uh yeah clearly okay. the second clearly. i sat down i thought i was looking in a mirror <laughs> oh obviously obviously now that's a movie now yeah. twins that's perfection and anybody that says twins otherwise is gonna have me to deal with that's probably low rated on rotten tomatoes i am i am unapologetically a a ridiculous arnold schwarzenegger fan i love everything that that fucking guy does and um there was a period of time where you really could not fucking schwarzenegger was box office 
diamonds, platinum, gold, whatever. He was unbelievable. Um, so it's going to take a long time for me to be like, yeah, that's not really that good. Because <laughs> I just, everything I, <laughs> and that's me personally. Everything I watch that he's in, I fucking love. I love that guy. And uh, Well, I, I found, you know, the, the film for your next installment of Rotten Rewrite. Is it uh, Twins? Twins has a 42%. Get the fuck out of here. See, that's the, that's the problem is that it's going to be really hard for me to like try to think of some way to improve upon it. I mean, first, right off the bat, it, you got to get rid of the other sister, not um, <laughs> Marnie. Yeah, not, yeah, Marnie, not, <laughs> not, no, is Marnie Kelly uh, Preston? Yes, that's yeah, the no. one with Arnold, right? Yeah, you got to keep Kelly Preston because Kelly Preston. Dude. 1988 Kelly Preston. Kelly Preston. Yeah, Kelly Absolutely. Preston's a dime piece in that. Absolutely. Um, it's the other girl you you got to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you can, you can sprinkle in a little bit of discussing how to make the film better, but it's really just a discussion of the film. It is a discussion of the film. Yes, absolutely. Um, Especially, you know, something that's 30, 30, 40 years old that most people haven't watched yeah. in a long time. Yeah. I think that that's fine. But one of the things that one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I have this segment, though, is that I want to see if anybody feels that the changes that we make would improve upon this and feel like it would actually be more palatable and possibly bring it up. I know 14 percent is a really low bar. Um, we probably should have started with space balls. That's 59%, but that's okay. Um, but I think if we had, so I think that the changes we talked about is, um, maybe doing a little bit more practical effects as opposed to the wonky CGI or the wonky computer generated stuff that they had at the time. Um, replacing the voice of Howard the duck with a definitely an A-list actor, uh, because you need somebody that's going to bring everybody into the theater. And Leah Thompson just isn't it. Um, getting rid of, of she course, did a pedophiles. fine job as the you know the female. She did. No, no, lead. she did a great job as Beverly. I love her in it. I just she's yeah. not. She's not the. It's not like they cast. I, I, I know. I just said that her acting was fucking terrible. No, but it's no, but it's like <laughs> she was I, fun to look at. Well, like who would have been? Who would have been like? Who's like a massive like Demi Moore? I mean, even in '86, Demi not Moore even, wasn't no. really Demi Moore yet. But like. Molly Ringwald. Let's put Molly Ringwald because she was fucking. It she was for like probably right on the cusp of three being years. a big actress at that point, though. Um. All right. Yeah. So. I mean, I it mean, would have been Meryl. Like <laughs> could you Kathleen imagine Mer Turner or something? Yeah, like, Kathleen. Could you imagine Meryl? But I feel like this? she's way too old. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, those um, people. I feel like you needed someone who was like popular enough, but still kind of like early in their career. Because you needed somebody who was like 25. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't have been believable if she was 35, you know? How about Kelly Preston? Because <laughs> when did she, when did yeah, Kelly how Preston, old was she back then? Well, when did, when did Kelly Preston do mischief? That's the one that everybody talks about when you talk about Kelly Preston, is you talk about mischief. Oh, and that's 85. Okay, so mischief is 1985. 85. Kelly Preston probably could have been the girl in this. I don't know if she's going to make much more of a difference, but every yeah. guy that was like, ev let's just put it this way. Every guy that went to see mischief, which was rated R in 1985. And that would have been like all preteens and teenagers and shit like that. They all would have went to see Howard the duck because every guy's yeah. like first love as I think of like our generation 
is like Kelly Preston, basically, and it's from Mischief, which is a fucking great movie. Um, I've never seen it. Oh my god, it's so good. It's just, it's a total like just a. It's basically like an R-rated Grease, except there's no singing, you know. And uh, but it's awesome though because it's like, it's just like it's a really fun. It's a fun like teen sex movie, but it's not like over the top sex, you know, like uh, like a yeah. Meatballs or uh, what was the. Uh, like revenge of the nerds or uh what was the one Por- porkies porkies yeah porkies is what i was thinking um yeah uh, it's got much more uh, uh, another one i think uh jody foster yes was, uh 24 was 24 yeah. when this movie was made yeah yeah and Although she foster... had obviously been around a while with was it mean streets what was she in taxi driver <laughs> taxi driver jody foster I would fucking love no. I mean, she's been around for a long time. I know, no, I know, because she started. Yeah, Jodie Foster. Well, Taxi Driver. I think she's like fourteen in that. Um, yeah, she was super young, but she'd been acting for a while. Is my point. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I just, I would love to see fucking Jodie Foster in this. Like, if we re- we're recasting Jodie Foster, <laughs> Jodie Foster, Robin Williams. No, no, no. Jodie Foster, Sean Connery, and Christopher Lee as. Uh, as Beverly, <laughs> Dr. Jennings, and uh, Howard the Duck. And keep Tim Robbins. <laughs> Jesus, I can't fly. If God, if God her, had intended us to fly, alone. he wouldn't have taken away our wings. Womack. Womack. He's always going to throw Womack. a Womack. Womack. Womack, you bastard. Womack. I knew it was you. You're not sending me back to Duck World. <laughs> so... <laughs> So if anybody out there wants to comment, if you think that adding Kelly Preston and or Jodie Foster instead of uh, instead of Leah Thompson, uh, adding either Sean Connery or Robin Williams or another A-list celebrity and uh, maybe improving a little bit on the CGI. I think if they had just reused a Rancor and like added a couple (laughs) of things to it, I think everybody would have been really jazzed about it. Uh, I didn't think of that at the time, but that is spot on. That is it, it looks way like that <laughs> yeah and then making the quack foo either not talking about it as much or making it actually mean something more and i think that that would kind of probably let, tell me you tell me tell me out there if you're listening to this do you think that would make it more or less pal- palatable uh would you have gone to see it and would you think of it now as if it's not like a long lasting you know great movie in history like star wars or Shawshank is it something that it's a cult classic that you would just talk about every day like uh mischief so and that uh I think any any final thoughts Chris on Howard the Duck no man that was that was great I uh I'm glad that you came up with that to uh to watch it's been a long time yeah awesome yeah and for anybody that has Amazon Prime I believe it is streaming on Amazon Prime for free so uh, or is included with your membership so um, it's you know free to watch if you have Prime, which pretty much everybody has nowadays. So uh, check it out if you want Howard the Duck. But uh, well, that's uh, so that is Rotten rewrite. So hopefully I don't get sued by Rotten Tomatoes, um, and we'll just uh, move along. Now this one is kind of an geez, I have like two possibly sued names for two get bits I'm doing this week. <laughs> One's Rotten rewrite, and we're gonna roll right into the next one. Uh, this is called Ticket Pastor. And what I want to do is, uh, as the name I was going to give Chris before he vetoed it was uh, Concert Chris. And the reason why is because my man, Boston Chris, has been to 
I believe the grand total is 587,623 concerts in over his life, right? Isn't it about that much? I could give you the real numbers because I am that much of a nerd if you really want them. I do. What are the real numbers? I've seen 550 bands. 550 bands. Okay. Um, On 375 different occasions. 300 300 what? 375 different 375 occasions. different occasions and that includes like does that include like a couple like Boston callings or like festivals yeah, and stuff Yeah so that's why like that's like 375 like individual dates Okay All right so and that's... I've seen like 700 something bands but like 550 unique bands So Chris and I are both the same age um we're actually 19 days apart he is 19 days older than I am and uh we so we're 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 just starting we're almost at the peak of the 40s hill so just to give you an age group we're we're in our 40s and uh so that's 375 different concerts really in the last i would say 25 years 26 7 years yeah i i, I didn't really start going to shows regularly until like 1996 yeah so i mean i mean even if i said 30 that's like Still, you're like a just be just a teenager kind of thing. So, um, all right. So that's so yeah. So 26, 27, 28 years. That's a pretty good amount of concerts. So, I would say that if there's anybody out there that could give me some awesome, exciting stories from concerts, and then possibly putting together a quick, uh, we'll use Boston Calling as an example because that's like you know that's like where a band comes in, they play like two or three songs, and then they get off the stage, and another band comes on. Um, what I would like to hear from you is some. While you can talk about maybe your what you would consider to be your dream lineup, and it could be bands that you've seen that are no longer together. It could be bands that are currently still performing. You know, be it as you will, and. Uh, intersperse that with some awesome stories like if you can say oh you know this one time i saw pearl jam perform and they played this and i would love that song to be and so you know get play with it i want to play with this a little bit (laughs) uh yeah so i I was given a little bit of thought um Mm -hmm. there's like a kind of an unofficial list i don't have it written down anywhere but there's you know just i'm sure a lot of people just bands that you never got to see or haven't seen that you really want to see mm-hmm um, you know, and I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know, I think the top of that list for me was probably Tom Petty, mm. but then I really thought about it and I said, you know what? I was old enough and I remember when Nirvana came to town, but I just really wasn't like old enough to go. Yeah. But I remember when they played in Boston and I just, I never, you know, I never would have been able to go. I was just a little bit too young. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like the type of kid that when I was that age, I would have been going into town by myself like you know my my mom you know my mom was pretty good with letting me do some stuff but you know going into boston by myself when i was like 14 to see a rock show like yeah killed me yeah no not that um but yeah tom petty's is is, (laughs) it's a heartbreaker uh is it's a rough one because you know there was like so many opportunities you know to see him and uh, i just never got around to it and you, you didn't expect a guy like that to be gone that early no um but yeah. And then, um, yeah, there's just a couple, couple of other bands I was thinking. Like, there's a bunch of 90s bands that, you know, I've seen a ton of 90s bands. Um, 
but like i've always wanted to see this is a strange one uh the band sponge i've just never oh, seen yeah. them okay and uh I'd, I'd always like to go you know I'd, I'd like to see them uh in that same vein a, a band that i always wanted to see was marcy playground oh yeah and i okay. and i actually got to see them a couple of years ago so that was good nice um, but yeah um yeah, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of too many more. But Marcy Playground. Yeah, I love uh, it. Well, you know, the, the, I the, got six in band. candy. Hell yeah! yeah. Uh, it's funny. I actually I saw Tom Petty. I saw when he performed mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl that year. Uh, the Super Bowl we will not talk about ever. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think I said, "Oh shit, Tom Petty's playing." I bet you he's touring, and I. Th- think he was at the garden i think mm-hmm. um yeah because i think i saw the i saw the foo that year and i think they were at the dcu and then i think he was at the garden so i went to the garden i saw him and it was i mean it was petty was like jesus christ this guy has hit 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 yep. hit i mean that was the thing is that you know there were bands out there that you realize like everything they put out is a hit and then you're like, there are fucking bands out there that everything they put out is a hit. Like, I mean, that's a, that's like petty. Everything he put out was a fucking hit. And so it was a it was a good it was a good show. It really was a good show. Um, my yeah, brother. Saw... Oh, oh. well, Go I was going to say Brian has Brian has like the worst, the worst two fucking horror show <laughs> band moments with him. Um, he was he had tickets to the Lollapalooza that Nirvana was going to headline. Oh man! And then Kurt Cobain killed himself, and then I think they were God. I feel like they replaced him with like, oh God! It wasn't like I think it was it was them and Jane's Addiction. I think was the two shows, and then I I swear to God they replaced Nirvana with like I can't even think of the band. Like I was trying to come up with like some shitty band. Yeah, it was like it was. You know what? It very well could have been like um some local band. No, like, like REM. Tree. Or, yeah, like, no, like REM or something. Not that and, Tree's a shitty band. <laughs> no, but, like, and my brother was just like, I have no fucking interest in seeing, like, REM. You know, like, he was just <laughs> like, but he was, re- and I think he, I don't, I'm pretty sure he still went, but, um, because he liked Jane's Addiction. Like, he was, you know, he was into that, so. But I just remember him being like, oh, who's going to fucking see Nirvana finally? Like, he was <laughs> devastated. It was like, and then he's a huge rage against the machine fan and that's another band that, yeah, that was and... the, rage and the beastie boys i was supposed to go to that show and they canceled it yeah and those are two bands that oh I, that was I the one they saw. canceled when i think was it uh ad rock broke his collarbone no, yeah mike d, mike d broke his collarbone or something skateboarding yeah 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 he's like 40 well i remember <laughs> when so remember like how before they announced they were going to be at boston calling um I think Rage said they were going to play. Um, what's the festival out in California? Burning Man. Uh, Not they Burning wouldn't Man. have done Burning Man. No. They would have done Coachella. Coachella, Coachella, yeah. And I said to Brian, "I go, you should go to Coachella. Like, go fucking see Rage. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Go out to Indio, baby." And then, then they added like a couple of shows in like Arizona, like right out, like it was all like out there, like out west. And I said, dude, go to fucking Arizona. Yeah, and you could go, I go, go see a fucking Diamondbacks game, like go, yeah. you know, ha- spend a weekend in like wherever, Phoenix, and go see Rage. Then they announced that they were gonna do Boston Calling, and my mm-hmm. brother like lost his shit. He was like, Oh my god, are you fucking serious? And that was like, man, who was that? That was like, was it them? 
I think it was the Foo Fighters, it was Rage, and it was like yeah. another fucking awesome band. Originally, it was like another awesome band. Yeah. It, like, I don't want to say. I don't it remember. It might have been Tool. I don't think it was Tool. Um, could it have been like, I forget who, but it was another like awesome band. And my brother's like, oh my God, fucking, I'm going to go to all three days because it's like all three days on it. Like, great. And then COVID happened. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like everything well, got I think, fucked. <laughs> no, that that was after this. This was like twenty twenty two. I want to say they they dropped out. Well, because they hadn't rescheduled Boston Calling yet. Oh, you still there? Yeah, they hadn't they hadn't rescheduled the Boston Calling yet. And then it was like I think during the pandemic, Rage like officially they said, "Nah, we're not going to tour." And they kind of like broke up again. Well, or... didn't didn't Zach like have a problem with his throat or something? Didn't he actually have to pull out because of like a, a health thing? Yeah, he might have. Yeah, yeah, it might have been something oh, like that. Nine, that inch, was... nine inch nails. Nine inch nails jumped in. Yeah, the day yeah. that they headlined two days because Rage pulled out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was like nine inch nails. Was like you didn't see last night's show? Oh, don't worry, they're gonna play tonight mm-hmm. too. Um. But that was yeah, and I just I know like he was he was that so that's my brother's like two, two two, no pun intended gunshots or two bullet wounds like he took was like <laughs> not getting to see Nirvana, and then not being able to go and see. I mean he had seen Rage before, but like you know not being able to go see Rage again, and uh, so that was like his two big yeah. things. Um, I don't think I have. Uh, I mean I I would probably say Nirvana I, 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 for me, yeah. but that's. That's but then I but see for me like I love the Foo Fighters so but like you would know. you like do you feel like you had the opportunity to go see Nirvana or are you just pissed that you never got to see them No it's exactly like you it's just, I probably yeah. wouldn't have gone cuz I was we were what 14 yeah. yeah um I mean I saw Paul McCartney which to me that was like fucking awesome you know like I got to see Paul McCartney like we got to see yeah. the guy that wrote all the fucking songs you know Yeah and, I went to uh, that last summer yeah Oh, see, I went in. Was it 05? I think it was 05. Oh, yeah, you went a while yeah. ago. Yeah, my brother. I saw, 80, and I, I saw eighty year old Paul. Yeah, Brian and I went and saw that. That was that was eighty year old Paul. When oh, he was, I, I, when he was falling through stages. Yeah. No, I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> just going back to Petty for a minute. Yeah. Um, when Pearl Jam played uh, Fenway Park in 2018, they played two shows, mm. and the first show. I was kind of like up in the back because I just bought a ticket just to be in the building. I, mm-hmm. I had a I had a floor seat for the second night. Um, but he uh, Eddie Vedder had a guitar that Tom Petty had given him. Oh wow! Played, and he played "I Won't Back Down," which is a song that Pearl Jam has played live for sure. thirty years. I mean, they've played it forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the September 2018 Pearl Jam shows at Fenway, and it's kind of funny because even though it was a year and a half before COVID. That was their last shows when COVID until COVID happened, and then they didn't play for another whatever two years. So for three years, I had gone to the last Pearl Jam show, which I found oh. very funny because they hadn't not played for more than like a couple of months in thirty years. You know? Oh, so that was so that Fenway show was the last like the last show of the tour. Yeah, September fourth, oh. twenty eighteen was the last show until like sometime in like. I don't know, mid mid or late 2022. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, now, like had they had they time. like planned a 2020 tour or they hadn't really even planned it yet? 
I would imagine they probably would have toured. They would oh. they would have played some. I mean, they they haven't done like. I mean, they used to do crazy tours. Like I, one of the, if we're gonna talk about like my favorite shows, my favorite yeah, show ahead. was a Pearl Jam show, mm-hmm. um, back in '98, and back then, I mean, they used to tour for, you know, like all those bands, they tour for a year, year and a half at a time. They do like you yeah. know a couple of hundred shows, and yeah, and then they take like a year off or six months off and record, and then they go right back out on the road. But Pearl Jam hasn't really done that lately. I mean, in 2018, even I think they played. Two shows at Fenway, two shows at Wrigley Field, and then two shows at like, is it still Safeco? What what's out in Seattle? Yeah, still Safeco. So they played like six shows that whole year. And oh, wow. that's like their quote unquote tour. Hmm. Um so they they don't like necessarily and then you know, they'll do like Europe and stuff. So like they'll yeah, they'll do a tour in Europe, but that doesn't do the you know, the people here in America any good. Yeah. Um so yeah, they 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 definitely play less than they used to, but I mean that kind of happens. I mean they, you know, they they're pushing sixty and they've been around thirty years and mm-hmm. they don't need to do it, you know. But <laughs> they don't need to stuff themselves down everybody's throats like the stones. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so my my favorite show of all time, I can go into that was. Um, uh, September 16th, 1998, I saw Pearl Jam at uh, Great Woods, which is now, mm-hmm. is it the Xfinity Center now? I think it's What's... the Xfinity Center, yeah. It was Great Woods, and then it was the Tweeter Center, yep. and then, then it, it was, was Comcast. Comcast Center, and now, now it's I the think Xfinity, it's Xfinity Center. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I always call it Great Woods just because anybody I'm talking to knows what the fuck I'm talking about when I say and, Great Woods. And if anybody, yeah, like if nobody, it's a hyper-local reference, as Pete likes to say, because it's, it's just a... It's uh it's like an open field uh like general admission area and then there is like a stage with like seating area but really you go because you want to sit in general admission and kind of like you know I mean I, well I mean if you're I guess if you're looking to get seats and everything but I know like I used to go just to go and sit in the general admission because in the, in the just, lawn you mean right yeah on the lawn because it's just yeah. you just go and you hang out you sit on the lawn and then you stand up to watch the band and everything like that so, yeah so yeah this so these were my first two pearl jam shows <laughs> and they played a, a tuesday wednesday night it was my sophomore year in college and it was right after classes had started it was like mid-september mm-hmm. so i went to the tuesday show and i had seats um, okay yeah wait did i have seats to the first show yeah, because the second show I didn't have seats. So I went to the first show. I had fan club seats, and I was in like the twenty fifth row. Oh, wow! And that was <laughs> my first Pearl Jam show ever. And then the next night I went, and I was on the lawn, and mm-hmm. that was my, still to this day, like probably my favorite show ever. Um, ben Harper opened up, who has been like a long time opener for Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. and uh, got there early, which I don't always do, but. Um, depending on who I'm with or whatever, like, you know, if you're, you know, tailgate in the parking lot, sometimes you stay out there longer, but we got in yeah. there before Ben Harper and the lights went down and everybody started cheering for Ben Harper. Yay. And, you know, single silhouette comes out and sits in a chair uh, and it's the lights come up and it's Eddie Vedder. This is, this is before Ben Harper was opening. Oh, wow. And uh, he played the song, throw your arms around, throw your arms around me. Mm-hmm. by uh hunters and collectors which is a great song and uh yeah so that was just awesome he just did it solo with his guitar um 
and it's just one of my favorite Pearl Jam covers and one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. Um, nice. You should look it up and listen to it. It's a great song. Um, but that was awesome because then he left and then Ben Harper came out, opened up, did a great set. And then Pearl Jam came out and just absolutely killed it. Um, at one point in the show, someone must have been throwing like change at the stage. Someone <laughs> that was close was throwing like uh, throwing like quarters, quarters and dimes and stuff. Yeah. And there's uh, you could probably look it up on YouTube. Um, Eddie Vedder just starts screaming and swearing saying that they're going to fucking leave and fuck you and we're fucking out of here and throwing quarters, fuck you and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, it's, it's one of those, like for like, you uh, know, Pearl jam fans, like not that yeah. like I'm on like on message boards and stuff, but like, yeah. it's just one of those moments that like, if you're a fan of a band, that's like one of the things everybody always talks about. Sure. Like local H is one of my other favorite bands. And there's like, everyone talks about the show where like someone stole Scott's fucking shoe because he was crowd surfing and someone took a shoe and then he went back to the stage and didn't have a shoe and then started screaming and yelling to give him his fucking shoe back and someone kept it and it was just like one of those moments where like if you're a fan of the band that's like one of the things you talk about so yeah the quarter yeah. rant by eddie vetter was one of those things it was i would say it's it's like the aussie biting the bat yeah i mean yeah that that obviously is like that, but like, that's the but that's, that's what like it is. Mount Rushmore. It is, of, but like, like that's stories, but, but, but that's what like you're. It's like okay. Remember? Do you remember when like the Metallica show they had the guy that caught on fire? See, but that was part of the show. Yeah. All right. So you're right. So this is this I was is at more that like show, that 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 yeah, tour. Was, they, yeah. that, that was, was part of tour. that show. Um. But all right. So yeah. But that's that's so that is more like the Aussie with the lighting in the hat, the head off the bat. So, but that's a good that's a good thing to be part of because. Like you said, it's not like you're. I mean, the funny thing is, is you could probably join if you're not already on a Pearl Jam subreddit. You probably could be in one and just like go. Remember the quarter rant, and then everybody would be like, "Ah, oh, the quarter rant and everything." Yeah, so it's just one of those things yeah, that everybody. That's cool will, though. I like that. About. That's a cool thing. I mean, um, I'm trying to think hmm. of like another band and like what yeah. might be like you. You gave a good example. The you know the the Aussie thing. <laughs> there's that. There's that time that Patty Lapone like stopped in the middle of a show and yelled at somebody for like taking pictures with their cell phone or something. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's one of the random YouTube clips that I've seen before is like, she's That's in the middle of like a Broadway show and she stops and she's like, stop fucking recording me. <laughs> oh, I think I remember that. Uh, That's was, funny. Was it, were you with me when we went to, were you, did you ever see George Carlin? I did, but you, so you saw him in like what, Warwick? I did saw him in Warwick, yeah. I've seen him twice. I saw him in Lowell and I saw him in Warwick. Rhode Island and did we go to Lowell together I think we did and the Lowell was I, show was... was I sick as a dog you might have been I think so but the Lowell show was where he yelled at the guy because he started the show doing like some of his I don't even want to say it's his greatest hits but it was kind of like some of his uh more popular bits from like his most recent albums and I think the guy there was a guy heckling him <laughs> and like shouting out like the the answers to his jokes or the ends of his oh, jokes. Jesus. And then he yeah. got real pissed and he like told, he told security to throw the guy out and he was like, get that fucking guy out of here. Like that. And, <laughs> and he goes, you know, I'm going to do the, he goes, you know, the second half of the show is all my fucking new material guy. Like, <laughs> and it was just, I remember laughing being like, ah, fuck that guy. But, uh, yeah, I, that was, I don't roll. So I, I went to Lowell October 27th, 2000. Yeah. And I don't remember if you were there. I, 
I had to go back after the show. I had to go to work at Bickford's because I worked <laughs> overnight at Bickford's and I went and they sent me home Bickford's. because I was just, I, I was just so ill. Like I, it's like I had the flu or something, but I'm like, I'm not missing this show. Yeah. And thankfully I went, it was the only time I ever got to see Carlin. So, yeah. you, you know, good thing. Good on you for seeing it more than once. Um, yeah, I was actually, I was just talking to my sister about that recently. Cause she got that ticket for me for like my birthday when I was probably Jesus, eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. And, uh, yeah, my brother, the three of us went, we went to like Warwick, Rhode Island, Warwick, Rhode that Island. Wasn't, you weren't that young. Um, I can't, you wasn't know what it the... like nineties? I feel like it was like 97, 98. No, I'm def- pissed at no. you. You got to see Pearl Jam in 1996. You bastard. I did. I you did. went to that tour, and I was so mad. I did with Michelle and my brother. Did you go to Portland, or did you go to um, um wherever it was? In, where was it in Connecticut? It was in Connecticut. Yeah. So they th- that tour they only did Maine and Connecticut. <laughs> my brother drove us to Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> I was bastard. I was got so mad the, at you. Uh, uh, yeah, so mad at you. We were, he and I were laughing too because um he was going through. He was going through like all his CDs. Oh, I know why. Because he had a buddy of his on Facebook who showed like all his concert ticket stubs, mm-hmm. and Brian was like, "I got, I got you. I have all my stubs." And then he went up in into our attic and he got all his like CDs and he was pulling all the stubs out and and uh, I remember it, it was Michelle and Michelle's mother had bought the tickets, so on the ticket it had her name. And Brian's like, "Oh wow, look at this." He goes and he he. he he made me take a picture and I texted it to Michelle and I was like, that's really funny. Your mother's name's on this ticket. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a cool ticket stub too. It had like a real neat art design on it and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, seriously, I think we drove to like f- friggin' Fairfield or Hartford or something. I mean, it was, it was probably Hartford. Yeah, it was a ways remember. way. I could look it up. There's there's many sites that have all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what was the one? It was uh five horizons they have five horizons and there's one called i think it's two feet thick five, hori- five horizons i love i remember you were like oh that's <laughs> a good was it black that's a good black reference when you told me that when you told me about the website you said hey it's five horizons do, do you know what that is and i was like <laughs> uh yes you were like you don't know what it's from do you, you don't i was know like what it is. i don't know <laughs> you don't know what it is hey, uh, click hey that's not good um so that's yeah so that's uh that's i mean we talked about like bands that you wish you have seen um yeah um, your favorite show yeah i I was gonna say um funny story about that pearl jam show i had the tickets to the first night through the fan club the second night i went with my friend ed from high school who was also my freshman college roommate yeah um we went whenever the tickets went on sale. So it probably, it was probably the summer mm-hmm. and we went the night before to camp out at great woods to get oh, tickets. Wow. And we were out there, we were like the third car in line and we literally stayed out there all night. And then they opened up the gates in the morning and we all raced to the, you know, to the ticket <laughs> booth. Yeah. Have you heard the story? No, I'm not, I mean, if I, yes, I probably have, but it's been years. So yeah. So, you know, we get up there and then everybody runs to the line. And what most of us apparently didn't know, I certainly didn't know, was that there was like 300 people in line already with uh, bracelets, like wristbands. Oh, shit. Which I didn't know you had to get to get like into the front of the line. Oh, no. So we were like 302nd in line. 
And I'm like, we're never getting fucking tickets. So uh, Ed Ed waited in line, and I'm like, I'm going to go and try to call Ticketmaster from the payphone that's like a, connected to the I, ticket to the ticket yeah. counter. You know, ticket I, I remember this now. I remember this now, yeah. And I'm calling, and I'm calling, and I can't get through, and I can't get through, and it's busy. And there's this, like, fucking 13-year-old kid standing next to me, and I hear him go, oh, you mean I need a credit card? And I, I turn to him, and I go, did you just get through on Ticketmaster? He goes, yeah. And I go, give me that fucking phone. And I, like, pushed him out of the you way went. and took the phone, and I and I ordered my tickets to that. Here's my credit card business. number, sir. I, I drove all the way to Mansfield, waited overnight to call from the ticket booth, ticket office, to get my tickets to the show. And, and when you went back to see Ed, how far up in line did he move? Oh, I don't even remember. Oh. I was just way too excited. Yeah, to like, yeah, I was way that's, too excited. That's a good. That's a good. That's a great story, though. Like for it's, you know what it it actually is. Um, because it was like a lot of fun to just like we we stayed up all night. Yeah, you probably remember talked the to all the people there. Yeah. Everybody was huge Pearl Jam fans. Yeah. I remember there was this one kid that we met, and when we were at the show, we actually saw him and like we're laughing about. Oh, like, that's. That's you know, cool. Staying out overnight. And everything. I'm trying to think but... if it was the Pearl Jam show that I went to. No, so I think it was the, the Meadows in '96 uh, in Hartford. Okay, yeah, that's when that's when I saw them. The Me- and it's the, you know classic the Meadows, <laughs> the Meadows, classic mid '90s set list here. Yeah, yeah. Did they close at Yellow Lead better? Uh, what do you think? Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because I remember, yeah. like, they left, and I think that was, like, their second encore. And um, that's what's great about those Pearl Jam shows. I mean, they, they'll they play three hours like it's nothing. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. play 35 songs, like, legit full 35 songs. Yeah. This well, actually I... looks like it was kind of a, a short set. Well, I always say that my uh, – I always say my favorite concert I went to was that Weezer show that we went to. Because they played their oh. entire catalog and it was only forty five minutes long. Was that the one right after nine eleven? Yes. Did we? Did you? Did you go to that one? Yeah. So that's the that's the okay. So well, let me update uh, our my mutual list here. friend. Also, oh, that was uh, Curtis, Kurt. right? Yeah, our mutual friend Kurt. Uh, at the time, there was the radio station WBCN, which was like the alternative rock station in Boston. Just and to set the scene, this was September twenty fifth, two thousand and one. It was two weeks after nine eleven. Yes. So, and if anyone was alive back then, you know that nothing was going on for at least a week after nine eleven. Exactly. In fact, and this is how this all comes up: is so WBCN was auctioning off two tickets to a Patriots game, and it was their first Patriots game after nine eleven. And Kurt ended up donating like some ridiculous amount of money he like emptied his freaking bank account to like donate this money and he won the two tickets to the patriots game and he brought me and (laughs) when he went to pick up the patriots tickets bcn was like oh man i feel bad you paid all this money here here's two tickets to see uh weezer at the at the great woods and that patriots game was the game that uh who was it? Mo Mo Lewis hit hit uh, Bill uh, Drew Bledsoe and knocked him out. And yep. Tom, a young Tom Brady came in, and thus saith the Lord. <laughs> like that's what happened. So I was at that game, and I remember you said, "Hey, why don't you just come with us to Great Woods and tailgate, and then just go up and see if you can buy like a scalp ticket to get into the concert?" And I said, "Okay." So yeah. we went to 
We went to Great Woods. We tailgated with that with the pop up tent thing, the Jimmy Hoffa pop up tent thing, and um, and then we went to, and then you had said, "All right, time to go get the tickets." So I said, "All right," and I went up to the to the to go up to the ticket booth or to go up to where you could get scalp tickets, and I see the WBCN van, and I went up to the WBCN van and I said, "Hey, by any chance, do you guys happen to have any extra tickets to the show?" And they went, um, yeah, here you go. And they just randomly gave me a ticket. And it was actually like a seat ticket. And I said, well, I'm not going to sit in the seat. I'll just sit with my friends on the lawn. And we ended up, so I went to that Weezer show. For, so I went to that, I went to that unbelievable Patriots game, that like era defining Patriots game. I forgot that you went to that game. To which recently my brother and I were talking about how I could probably sell that ticket stub. Sure. That I still have and probably make like a good chunk of change. Sure. And, and uh to go along with it, I think I have the program guide from that game too. Not that it matters, oh, but wow. like I have the guide from that game too. So I could sell those as like a as like a, a combined unit. And then I went to the Weezer concert for free and it was like 45 minutes long because like all their songs were like two minutes long and they played like their whole catalog. How how many Patriots games do you think you'd been to? Um out of curiosity. I know it's a little I do I do know the number. Uh, Cause I have all the stubs eh, maybe like 10. Yeah. 10 or I feel 12. like I've been to like four or five, but like I went, I actually re with the game. Was it 2000 when they kicked everybody out yes. and then they, they replayed the yes. last down. Yeah. It was and you like and Robert me. Bishop came out and that's the one everybody when you got was on in the... their towels and we that's got the... in the newspaper. That's the one when you got on the newspaper. I got with, in the newspaper. with my blanket. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, went we went to that. to that game. Uh, yeah, I went to some pretty significant games. Like we went to that game, which was like at the time it had like the longest break in between plays, which sure. I think still exists. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because it was yeah, because it was it was like a all fuck up at the end. I went to the snow game where we. Was I remember. Tennessee? N- yeah. Um, was that the twelve nothing game? No, no, wait, no, not was the Tennessee game. No, I think it was Miami. And it was when yeah. it was a it was like a blizzard the night before. That's and right. when Brian and I went, we were in like the three hundred sections, and they had only shoveled out the staircases, and so you had to like dig your <laughs> well, you seat. Can't, up. You can't shovel the seat out. It just makes sense that people dig out their own. Yeah, but it was like we ended up that we, we went to that game. Was I that like two thousand and three? Um, it might have been. Vegas yeah, for that. It might, yeah, and then. I'll never forget. We still laugh about this is that I went to a game. We went to a game one time. We had standing room tickets and we were standing and we looked down and there was like the handicap section and there was like a blind guy because he had his seeing eye dog with him. And I looked at my brother and I went, we should take that guy's seats. We He's not even watching the fucking game. <laughs> and I'm like, and it's not like it, it's not like. I mean, they don't. You can't really hear anything when you're in the game. So I mean, it's like it's one of those things. Like you know, I see people at a baseball game will be walking around with headphones in, like listening to like Joe Castiglione do the play by play or whatever. <laughs> it's like that you can. What are you listening to the freaking BCN broadcast of the Patriots game? What the fuck? The guy had a CNI dog and a freaking cane. I was like, we should take his seats. Right. My I brother. Didn't, we we didn't go down and do that. <laughs> we we were in the alcohol free section for that. 2000 game with yeah where they came out later yeah i think it was like the well like i said i've only been to like maybe five or six that was i think that might have been my first game Mm. 
and I was old enough to drink and couldn't because we were in the <laughs> booze free section. But the last game I went to was um, uh, I saw Tom Brady throw his final touchdown pass as a Patriot. Oh, uh, now see, that's cool. Like to that's Logan cool. Ryan of yeah. the other team. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But that's yeah, cool, that was though. my last game. I got to go to that game, so that was yeah. good. Anyway, let's yeah, let's stop talking about football. No, no, but that's that's just, boring. That's, that's fun. Um, no, I mean, I think we kind of covered. I think we kind of covered everything that I was thinking of for this. I mean, do you have any final comments about anything that uh, you know? If the if you could if you could have one act that you've seen perform like in a very intimate, we'll just say like. At your house in your living room <laughs> for you and like four friends and perform like just a like a very intimate show who would you have and what you know, would you request that they sing i hmm. and the reason why i ask this is because i know like howard stern talked about going to like i want to say he was at like billy joel's house and and uh, the Hamptons. Of course he was. I think it was. I think he was at Billy Joel's house, though. But it could have been like at a house, but Jill, Billy Joel was there, and he played a concert. Like he played basically on the piano for like two yeah. hours or whatever, yeah. and it was like to seven people. That's got to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that, that would be yeah. awesome. Well, so just to touch on some things, I so I was thinking about like you know in in preparation for this, I was thinking of like some of like my favorite shows of all time, mm -hmm. some of like the coolest shows and then some of the weirdest shows. Yeah. And I kind of have a rule net. Well, first of all, I, I have an old friend who, who says always go to the show. Yeah. And I kind of live by that whenever I can. Like if, if I'm ever kind of on the fence, like for example, you know, we were talking about Pete. I didn't mm -hmm. win his gift card, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but he called me up, you know, he texted me at like five <laughs> o'clock on a Thursday yeah. And said, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go see Collective Soul. <laughs> Actually, he asked me, You don't happen to be going to the show, do you? And I said, No. I said, But I thought about it. I just didn't go. And they were another one oh, of those 90s soul. bands that I've just never seen. And, um, you know, he texted me and I said, No, I'm not going. And then I kind of thought about it. And, you know, I was already home. I work from home on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. And I was like, You know what? I'm going to go. So I went online. I bought a ticket and I said, Hey, I'll meet you there. And I went to the show and it was great. And, you know, I, I, if I could give anybody a word of advice, it's always go to the show because mm -hmm. you never know. I mean, especially, I mean, if it's a band you've seen 50 times and you don't care, mm -hmm. uh, who cares? But, you yeah. know, if, if it's someone you haven't seen and you yeah, want to no, see that or makes even, it, that makes it even, even more if it's fun. just mm. getting out of the house with a friend, sure. like it's always good to go to the show. Um, but there are five bands that I will see every single time they come to town, mm -hmm. like unless obviously I can't for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, Pearl Jam, we talked about. Local H I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, Social Distortion is another one of those bands. Mm -hmm. I was supposed mm -hmm. to see them in July. Unfortunately, they had to postpone because Mike Ness is dealing with a, a throat cancer, which is kind of crazy. Mm. Um, one of the other bands that I will always go see is the Super Suckers. And I'm seeing them in August, and it's kind of strange. Their lead singer actually went through a throat cancer thing like maybe eight years ago. Oh, boy. Um, and then the violent femmes I will see every time. So uh, yeah. to answer your question, um, mm -hmm. I've seen Local H like 30 times and I love seeing them, but I don't think I'd really, I don't know. I mean, if Scott Lucas came to my living room and was going to play music, that would be awesome. But I might say the violent femmes just to mm -hmm. hang out. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's a good I, I can I can get on board with I, that. I'd have less of a chance to see them going forward. Um they broke up for a while. Uh they broke up over a Wendy's ad of all things. Um, <laughs> what? What one of the guys in the band licensed Blister in the Sun to like Wendy's to use in a commercial. <laughs> And one of the other guys in the band got super fucking bullshit, and they basically broke up for like years over it. Oh, that's awesome! Um, but they're back together, and I'm going to see them in October. So, oh, that's um, so funny. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, and they're, they're another band that I've seen a whole lot. Um, one of one of my favorite shows uh, when I lived in Las Vegas, they played at the at the Palms outside. Um, I don't know if it's still there, but this was 20 years ago. Hmm. Uh, the skin pool lounge at the palms was like this outdoor area where they had the pool, but it was also kind of like a beach. Like they had sand everywhere and bars and everything. And, and, uh, they played a show outside at the skin pool lounge and it was awesome. Like it was oh, just cool. so much fun. That's cool. Um, uh, I was going to mention some weird shows. Um, yeah. well, my first show, <laughs> do you remember my first show? Did we talk about this? 1989 yeah. i had just turned 10 years old and i had a 12 year old sister so my mom decided it was a good idea to take us to see new kids on the block yeah at great woods it was like yeah. my first my first show with tiffany opening um so for a for years that was the only show i'd ever been to was new kids on the block was funny was that before or after we had to write the thank you letter to that's a good question so that was fifth grade um <laughs> I think Dickie. it was. Bef- I think it was before, because. <laughs> so you actually had a reason to write a thank you letter. I turned ten, <laughs> and went to that show, and then I would have been ten going into fifth grade, right? Yeah, yeah. Just for context, our fifth grade teacher was trying to teach us how to like <laughs> properly write a letter, you know, doing like proper letterhead and all that shit, and. God, was it her daughter was like an an intern for like whatever the management company was. I don't even whatever. remember what it was. It like was. there was some there was some connection. I bet you I still have it though. And but... she got us all like autographed pictures of the new kids, and we had to like write them like thank you letters. And all the girls in the class were like, "Oh my god!" Oh. And like none of the guys were like, Ugh. "I think I put well, that picture on my dartboard." We in, like, were my 10. basement because yeah, I just we didn't were care. 10. Yeah, we were ten. We didn't care, but uh in retrospect i mean yeah that would still be i'd have that framed and hanging in my house now if i had that picture still i mean <laughs> I, that's think just... I, I gotta have it somewhere you probably throw, you I don't throw that no, stuff away you wouldn't throw, throw that away that no away. absolutely not my um, mom would have thrown it away though maybe not she took you and your sister to see them you never know maybe she would have held on to that yeah she would have put that in the cookie jar with the uh the stale cookies <laughs> uh, that i used to eat <laughs> and Another show that I like to tell people about because it's it's fucking hilarious is um, another one of my favorite bands. Actually, other than the Violent Femmes, there's a, a local Boston band uh, called Angry Salad, which oh, is God, like, the Jesus craziest Christ. name. And I used to see them all the time in the like 96 to 2001. In those five years, I saw them like 25 <laughs> times. Um, they're a mm. lot of fun and they did great covers and uh, like their guitar player is a phenomenal guitar player is like the guitar player for like quiet riot now, I think, or whatever iteration of quiet. Oh, really? Is happening. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, okay. He was in Adler's appetite for a while. This guy, Alex Grossi, he's, he's a really great guitar player. Um, but they played, uh, I was down in Fairfield, Connecticut, you know, visiting somebody at college and, 
there was a show at, in SUNY Purchase across the border in New York, and Angry Salad was playing, so we went. And it was uh, they do this like uh, you know like a spring thaw thing at the school. Uh, it's called Culture Shock, and they would do it every year. And looking back, like if you, I googled it one time because I was curious. They get great bands like before they're big. Like it's really funny. Like oh yeah, I, for, I forget the one that I looked up, but I was kind of amazed that they had this like giant star like two years before he was like a big star. Hmm. But in 1999, I went to this culture shock show to see angry salad yep. and uh, orange night. There was a couple of other bands, but orange nine millimeter was playing who I had heard of them. So that was cool. But destiny's child was playing. Oh, wow. And they were big enough because I think actually like what, I don't know if it was bills, bills, bills. One of the songs had just become like pretty popular mm -hmm. and it's great to catch a band when they're like in that in-between area yep. where they book a bunch of gigs that they're committed to. And then something happens where they become super popular mm. and then they have to play out those gigs, even <laughs> though they're super popular. Right. I mean, so this is, they, they were still, there was still four of them at the time is like the one thing I remember. Yeah. Um, because whoever it was, they hadn't kicked them out yet. But I always laugh that, yeah, I saw Destiny's Child in 1999, which is like hilarious because I don't even like remember. It's like, oh, yeah, Beyonce. Like I was probably like standing next to Beyonce at one point <laughs> and like had no idea because Beyonce wasn't Beyonce back then. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's like when I, I, I saw Bush in Providence. Jesus, like 90. That must have been good. Two. Maybe 93, maybe. Why were you going to Providence in 1993? No, not 93. No, when the hell was <laughs> So was it night? Probably 97, 96, 97. All I know is, okay. No, it was 95. It was 95. And the That's reason great. why I know it was 95 is because no doubt opened for them. And it was right when, like, Just a Girl was the only thing on the radio. Oh, yeah. And so it was like that where they were like, mm -hmm. I, like spider webs hadn't even come out yet. <laughs> so that, so we saw them and they were basically singing everything off of tragic kingdom. And yep. I remember seeing the band, I remember seeing them and being like, wow, they're pretty good. And I mean, Jesus, like within what, two years, like Bush would have been opening for them. Sure. <laughs> you I know? know, I mean, I just seriously. saw Bush back in April. You did. And that's the first time I have, that's the only time I've ever seen Bush was just this year. And they actually put on a great show. I mean, again, yeah, no, it was it was, it was a good time when I saw them. So it wasn't like you know, but yeah, no, I mean they they put on a great show back then. Their music was always good, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a good. time. I wish I had seen them back then so that they would have actually played my favorite song, which is Alien off of Sixteen Stone. Oh, <laughs> uh, they didn't play that. Oh no, they. I don't. I don't think they've played it in years and years. Um, so I'm like, they're never going to play this song, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Brian has stories um, like that of like bands that he like loves to go and see, and then he goes and like there's like one song he wants them to play, and they don't play it. <laughs> and then he comes, well, and I go, how, "How was the concert?" He's like, "It was great, except they didn't play that one song I wanted them to play." And I go, <laughs> "Well, they must not have got your fan letter." <laughs> well, that was like I went to see Guster, like <laughs> Guster. <laughs> I don't know, like I saw Guster in the '90s a bunch, but like <laughs> I saw them a couple of years ago, <sighs> and they didn't play the airport song, which is like. To me, like their biggest know. song, like that's yeah. their biggest song. I mean, we're gonna not play really, everything but... off of our new album. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, that's, well, another reason I love Local H is like nobody knows who they are. But if you don't know, if you if you don't know who they are, which you don't, 
they're the keep it copacetic guys from 1996. You just don't get it. You keep it copacetic. Yeah. Um, they, you know, so they have to play that song every show because <laughs> I, I remember hearing that's that the song. only song that most people know. And that song, they got a lot of play out of that song. I mean, that song was on yep. BCN. Daily. They got a gold record out of it. Yeah, that was on but, da- that was on BCN daily. The the funny thing about that is I I went to see them I don't know like five six years ago they they were playing a show with um, the Toadies oh god uh, which was actually a great like I it yeah. was very enjoyable but the Toadies is the type of band where they play the show and they have their set set list where they play and they play the same thing every night mm-hmm. and local H does not do that and that's uh, I've noticed that my favorite bands are the bands that don't do that. Like U2 yeah. does that because that's cuz it's like a it's like a such a performance that it has to be like planned out like that. Right. But like Pearl Jam will change it up in the moment and they'll play a completely like going to that second show in 98. Every everybody always said the second show is better in the mm-hmm. same town mm-hmm. and I can attest to that. Every time I've seen them twice in in the same town the second show's always been better. Mm-hmm. Um but Local H that night uh so local h went on first they played and they played you know 10 11 songs whatever bound for the floor could keep a copacetic was one of them and then the toadies came on and played and they played their set uh which was great i enjoyed it i'm not super familiar with like a lot of their stuff um but i had a great time Mm -hmm. and then they kicked everybody out because they had another show a second show happening like an hour later so they kicked everybody out then we had to go back in and then Local H played again, and they played a completely different set. Not a single song the same. And they didn't play Bound for the Floor, hmm. which I found amazing because most people, I'm sure, because they were technically the opener, weren't there to see them. But they're like, oh, these are the guys that are the Keep It Copacetic guys. And then they don't play it. I just imagine like what that person would be thinking. Like, this is the one song anybody knows. Like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Yeah. And then the Toadies came on and literally played exactly the same set. Yeah. And I left after like three songs. Like, I think they played Tyler and I was out because I'm like, all right, I don't need to hear this again. I just heard it. <laughs> I might as well just be like listening to it, like, you know, on iTunes or whatever. That's funny. Or Apple Music, whatever. Did I just date myself? Is iTunes still a thing? iTunes like is still. Well, I think it's called Apple Music. But Am it's... I a thousand years old? Yeah. I mean, okay. So Apple Music. That's what I. That's what I have. Okay. So. We also talk. I mean, I think didn't I say something earlier about downloading it off of Napster? I don't know. Maybe. Oh God! Did you say Napster? I may have, um, and that's um, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's the, the one other thing I wanted to mention, and I yeah. don't know if we want to get into it. Uh, yeah. One of my personal favorite 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 shows of all time yes was uh july 25th 2019 i went to see the steve miller band (laughs) (laughs) yeah you you keep laughing (laughs) Uh, yeah i know do you want me to tell the story or do you want to tell the story yeah you tell the story i've been talking a lot so okay so i turned 40 in 2019 as did you and as a 40th birthday gift, my brother and my friends, you included, decided that we were going to go see Steve Miller perform at the, was it the Bank of America Pavilion in Boston? Leader Bank Pavilion. Yes. Rockland Bank Pavilion. Yes. Whatever, whatever bank it's is, called this yeah. week. Yeah. Um, and it was like a surprise concert. 
like it was a surprise gift. I had no idea. Hmm. Well, as you can may or may not have guessed, I'm a fan of podcasts as we're on one right now. I had bought tickets to go see the How Did This Get Made podcast uh, that was airing at the it was being filmed the same night. I had the tickets on my desk for probably three months with the date on them. And my brother, like, I had to be like a week before the show. He comes up and he goes, dude, are you fucking seriously doing something on like July 21st? And I went, yeah, I got the show. He goes, are you fucking serious? And I went, yeah, why? And he goes, and he tells me the thing. He goes, we fucking bought this ticket. It's like me, Chris, Sika, Matt, Larry. He's like, we're all fucking going. We were going to take you. We were going to go out, like get drinks and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh shit, man. I'm like, dude, I'm really sorry. And I will say, I've never seen the Steve Miller band live. Yeah, it really was a great time. Well, but no. I will tell. I, I will give you shit till the day you die. Oh, and because I, and, it's great. Well, and, and, it's, I, and it's not your fault. No, and but, it's well deserved. No, but it's well deserving because. But I didn't one, realize that there were like nine Steve Miller Bang songs that like uh, Steve Miller Band songs oh, that yeah. like bang. He's, like every Steve other Miller's, song, I was like, oh, this is abracadabra. Like yeah, this is Steve, great. Steve Miller's like, almost like Tom Petty, where like everything he sang was a fucking yeah. hit. You know, you um, forget about him until he plays him. Sure. Um. The, the problem was is that the the friend that I was going to see this podcast with, he's the type of guy where if I had told him like, hey man, I can't go, I would have like, it would have been the the tornado of shit that I was going to get from it would have been just not worth it. And I said, I do it. I bought these tickets. They were like front row tickets. Like I was like, you know, I can't, I can't bail on this show and. So Brian talked to you guys and they you all went, fuck it, we're gonna go. So you guys all went. And the best we part we bought of these it, tickets like six weeks before, by right. the way. And the best part about the show is that I don't know who it was. One of you took a picture and put it on Facebook, <laughs> and it was all of you that went, and you were like surprising my brother with his 40th birthday <laughs> gift. Happy birthday, Keith. And then it's like not pictured in this photo is Keith. <laughs> And my brother's in the room. He's going, everyone's saying happy birthday, Keith, on my Facebook page. And I'm not even there. I wasn't even in the picture either. But it's it like, it's great. Up, like, it, it, it's like know, the again. tagline says, like, <laughs> happy birthday, Keith. Surprise show. Not pictured in the photo, Keith. <laughs> it, it, it's like the Pearl Jam thing when I bought those tickets. It just It's such a great story. Like, I yeah, just love it. It is. It's like, a great story. And again, like story. I, I would have been more pissed had I seen Steve Miller before. Yeah. Just because like, eh, like I wasn't going to buy tickets otherwise. The only reason I said I'll go right. is cause I'm like, oh, we could go be seeing Engelbert Humperdinck. And yeah, if it's Keith's 40th birthday, like we're going, I'm there. Like, whatever. It's great. Ah, uh, that's funny. Uh, and then the, so the irony of it all is that they never even ended up airing the episode of the podcast that they filmed <laughs> that we went to. They did like they did a they did an you know an early show and a late show. I think we went to the early no, we went to the late show and they never even they aired the early show. They had all these jokes that they talked about from the early show, <laughs> and then they never even ended up airing the and so just recently, like within the last like week or so, um, I guess they're coming back. And the podcast is how did this get that. made? I don't know if I saw that I said that it was how did this get made, yeah. which is a great podcast, I might add. And um, is it is it Paul Shear? Yeah, it's Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, and then um, uh, June Diane Raphael. And yeah, that's right. They usually had 
I mean, when they did it in studio, they had a guest. Uh, they did have a guest this time, and I forget who the guest was. But I mean, it was great because like June had this. June was telling the story where she was like talking about like somebody that she rescued somebody on a subway. You know, <laughs> like it was a great. It was, it was. It wasn't a bad episode. It was. I don't know. You know why they just ended up not airing it. So oddly enough, like they're coming back, and my buddy, the same friend I went with, he goes. Hey, you want to go? And I was like, no, I'm like, no, I'm not going. I go, because, and I told him why. And, and it's like, when I tell that story to other people that I guess would say like, just don't give a shit. They're, they're like, like, you're a dick. They're like, well, what's your fucking, ugh. you're a dick, Keith. Well, no, what's no your problem. Well, no, I don't think that. No, most people end up going like, I can't believe that more than one person wanted to see you on, a, on any given night. And I'm like, God damn it. So yeah, no, that's a, um, right. That's a great way to end this segment. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And it sucks, too, because, like, I would have had a great time as Steve Miller. I would have been like, yeah. Oh, it, it really was a great time. In, um, in, in... I'll, I'll tell you, that's probably my favorite place to go in the summer to see a show because it's right on the water. Um, it's it's a pavilion, so it's all open air, but it's mm-hmm. got, like, a, a big, like, tent over it. But if you're not familiar, um, yeah, sure no, I would have like that everywhere. In in hindsight, I probably should have gone to that because uh, you know what? That's it, that's not fair. You you had plans. It it wasn't even like it was it was a month before your birthday. Yeah. You know, and you had plans. And yeah, your brother up, could have planned it better, and, but and I ended up having a better uh fortieth birthday party, right? Yeah. <laughs> on my actual so, Not on the Lady Jillian, not on the boat. Yeah. We had a uh it was uh I think the best part of that was uh, when I, you got, when you, so, so as I said, Chris's birthday is 19 days before mine. His wife's birthday is two days after mine. So for his wife's birthday, they wanted to do like a little booze cruise um, just on a boat. And Chris had called me and, and it had, to, and my birthday just happened to be like on a Saturday. So it was the day that this booze cruise was going to happen. And so Chris calls me and he says, Hey, listen, he goes, um, he goes, my wife's going to probably call you and wish you a happy birthday because that's what <laughs> we do. He's like, so you got to make up something and tell, you know, to say where you are. Because yeah, you, ha- you were in, you were in town. I was driving to like and the And you didn't dock. want her to know that you were in town. Yeah. You know? And she and he goes, because you know she's going to ask you like what you're doing. And so <laughs> you called me and I said, oh, yeah, I'm down at um, I'm down at the at Encore. Encore, which is the <laughs> casino in Everett. And I said, I'm down at the Encore playing cards. And. I, you know what? I think you said that she bought it, but then she said she didn't buy it. I feel like she, you guys bought it. All I know is she was 100% surprised that she saw like, me when no, like when we were oh, at the dock, like okay, she was yeah. 100% surprised that it was yeah. like her birthday party. Yeah. She thought that we were getting on a boat. Like her dad was coming with the boat to pick yeah. us up, to bring us to like a dinner somewhere yeah. uh, in the Harbor like in one of the restaurants that you can take a boat to, <laughs> which we had never done before and have never done since. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But apparently that was what we were going to do that night, two days before her 40th birthday. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, uh, she's a but I, I, I would, I, I know that I've told you this before, but thank you so much for being there that night. Oh my um, God. Hope, Are you kidding? I me? hope that there was enough people there that you knew that like, it was kind of like a birthday oh my for God, you as I had well. A blast. It was a great, it was a, well, first of all, I mean, I, I, I try to be, I, I feel like I am kind of humble. I mean, I know that I always end up being like, 
I, I know just unfortunately, and I know this is like such a humble brag, but like I always end up being like the center of attention. And it's just usually because I'm the loudest asshole there. Um, <laughs> but I do try to be very humble. And, you know, I didn't want to make it be about me or anything like that because it's not it wasn't about me. It was about it was about your wife and it was about her birthday and everything. But like you guys seriously are just like I say this all the time to people. I go, Chris and his wife, like it's like i'm the fucking mayor of their of their world like every time like i meet somebody that it's my reputation is like precedes me like i remember when i first met chris's wife she was like oh my god i know so much about you and i looked at you and i was like what do you fucking talk about me all the time and you're like yeah and then when i went to her parents house for her graduation party i walked in and like her family which is very they're a very wonderful family anyway but like her family was like even like her uncles were like oh my god we know all about you and i was like they were like hey and i was like it's like norm like i walk in and everybody knows who i am and i'm like and i just like i go what do these fucking people talk about me all the time like am i that i don't find myself that interesting but maybe i am i don't know but uh so, I mean, I tried so hard to just be like, eh, it's not my, it's, yeah. but then like your wife got on the microphone and she wanted to thank everybody for coming. And she was like, and I want to thank Kitty for being here on his birthday. And, <laughs> and then everybody looks and they're like, Hey, happy birthday, dickhead. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Happy birthday. But, uh, no, that was great. That's, um, yeah, that's where Pete, Pete came up with the name of the high chief. Cause I was hitting the vape pen really hard that day <laughs> i was like but it was fun we had a great time that was a real it was, I never, it was a great you know, time i hadn't done that and the last time i had been on a boat in gloucester was when i was throwing up over the side of one of the fishing boats and, <laughs> on a deep deep sea fishing voyage so yeah no i mean that was a great time but uh yeah, yeah no that was i should have went to that steve miller show <laughs> you know what like i said man you had plans it wasn't your fault and I should have fucked Dale Evans. <laughs> That's a Sopranos quote. <laughs> but uh, alrighty, so uh, I think we have time for one more special segment we're gonna do here. Okay. Um, and I think that's gonna be we're gonna talk about our all-time fantasy baseball lineups. Uh, now I had I had charged Chris with a very special task of coming up with his lineup of a, an all-star team. And I would I would assume that you knew that that consisted of, uh, you know, all the uh, all the positional players, a couple of pitchers, maybe even a closer here or there. And uh, we'll we'll compare our two lists and we'll see, you know, where we where we all end up. And, you know, uh, and and for time's sake, we I mean, if you want to say, like, specifically why you pick somebody, I'll let you do that. But I probably won't go into that much detail, but I'll allow you to do it because I did charge you with the research. So. If you want to fire off your starting list, you can say uh, we won't do a draft order. I think if this was if we could do a draft order like another time, but maybe if I revisit this for football, I'll do a draft like an all time draft, you know? But, yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of was like there were a couple of like seasons that jump out at you as far mm-hmm. as like, you know, Major League Baseball and, and, and batters go. I didn't give a ton of thought to pitchers, but like That's there's fine. a couple that I know. There's two right off the bat that I can tell you, and you know most people would probably agree with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like my my all time lineup, I it's it's funny because again I'm I'm like a math nerd. Mm-hmm. I kind of took like our scoring system for our current fantasy league, 
Okay. And I was trying to compare. I, I wanted to see like how these like certain seasons like lined up. Mm -hmm. And kind of for a baseline, I took the best. Uh, I, th I think, was it last year that Jose Ramirez was like the best player in our league? Yeah. I took his stats and okay. kind of like looked wow. to see like where he fell. Okay. And out of the, I don't know how many people I looked at here. I think I looked at 30 different seasons. His, his was like 27th out of like them. So like his baseline was like the best of last season. And it was still so much worse than like anybody else that I was looking at. Mm -hmm. um, so for catcher, I'll start there. I kind of started at the top. Yep. Um, the most recent season on the list is Mike Piazza. Now, Mike Piazza is when, – when I was thinking about catchers, Mike Piazza just jumped out at me. I, I figured that he had, like, some of the best seasons ever. Yeah. I know Joe Maurer had at least one really good season in there, and you think of, like, guys like Carlton Fisk and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but Mike Piazza's 1997 season for – uh, the Dodgers, uh, he had over 200 hits. He had 40 home runs, had 125 RBIs. Like mm. you can't get much. You can't ask for more than that out of him. No, that's pro that's pro that's production. Um, and then at first base, uh, the other thing I noticed is all of these. Uh, you know, the best seasons of all time is that there are a lot of outfielders that have really good seasons. <laughs> outfielders and first basemen. Yeah, I feel like we're like the top 10 seasons mm -hmm. like ever. Right. Um, so for first baseman, I went with Jimmy Fox, his 1932 season. Wow. Uh, let's, you know, to get old school. I know most people don't remember Jimmy Fox's 1932 season. Mm -hmm. But for the Philadelphia Athletics, he had uh, 58 home runs and 169 RBIs. Yeah. Um, one of the best seasons ever. Um, anybody that, so for second base, I'm going to move on. Uh, anybody that, really knows baseball um i know most people are really only thinking the last 10 20 years but rogers hornsby uh was one of the best second basemen in the history of the game mm. and in 1922 had one of the best seasons ever he had 235 hits he had 42 home runs 152 rbis and uh, he's my choice for second base uh, getting a little more recent for shortstop, I went with Robin Younce, 1982 season. Uh, he had only 29 home runs and 114 RBIs, but he had 129 runs and over 200 hits. Um, so that's pretty good. I mean, on the grand scheme of like all of these, it's pretty, that season's pretty low, but for shortstops, like you don't get, you know, shortstops with a ton of power. Yeah. Um, you know, you just don't, you just don't see it. So, uh, I, I feel like his season in 1982 was probably one of the best. Uh, there were quite a few, there's a couple of third baseman options, uh, third base I was going to go with. Uh, I mean, Mike Schmidt comes to mind as being probably the best third baseman ever. Um, and then, uh, George Brett obviously had a really good season. They both had really good seasons in 1980. Um, Mike Schmidt's 1981 season was going really well and then was cut short. Um, so I decided to go with, uh, Al Rosen from the Cleveland Indians in wow. 1953. Okay. Uh, he had 43 home runs and 145 RBIs leading the league. 
Um, I don't think uh, even Schmidt in a full season wouldn't have hit that. Mm. And then we get to the outfielders where, like, I mean, good God. like <laughs> It's just uh, kind of good insane. Yeah. yeah. So the best, according to, like, my calculations, the best season ever was Babe Ruth's 1921 season. Yeah. He had 177 runs, 204 hits, 59 homers, 168 RBIs. He had 145 walks, and he hit 378. Uh, he led the league in all of those categories, and he's definitely one of the outfielders. Uh, another one was uh, the 1927 Yankees. Uh, Got to have at least somebody from that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Gehrig. Mm-hmm. Uh, had over 200 hits, 149 runs, 47 homers, 173 RBIs. Mm. So he had a really good season there. Uh, and then the second best season I had on here was uh, Hack Wilson in 1930 for oh, the yeah. Chicago Cubs. 56 homers, 191 RBIs, which is, I believe, the record. I, th- I think that's the major league record. Wow. Um Honorable mention, I didn't put him on the list, but this would have been one of the more recent choices. Uh, In the 1994 season, Jeff Bagwell was killing it. I don't know if you remember this. I remember it. I remember, like, everybody talking about it. In, like, 110 games, he (laughs) had, like, 39 home runs and, like, 115 RBIs. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, oh, my God, he's going to break – Hack Wilson's like RBI record. He's gonna, yeah. he's gonna break the home run record, and then the season was cut short for the strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he had played a full season, I actually have him as being like the third best season out of any of these players. Sure, and he won. The, I mean, given that they cut the season short, he still won the MVP that year. Yeah, I mean, he was on yeah. pace for 155 runs, 57 mm. homers, and 170-something RBIs. Jesus like Christ. It was just an insane, like an insane No wonder people season. thought he was on the juice. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, oh, if only the Red Sox could get players like that. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, so I didn't include him, although I guess I could include, depending on how you want to, like, what the semantics are, there's a DH slot for uh, yeah of course but uh you know uh, 2001 barry bonds would probably mm-hmm. be in there somewhere i mean i i don't know i mean i guess you could uh discount it because of reasons but i mean you got to talk about that season no you know what i don't i don't discount i don't discount because um in all honesty i feel like these i feel like guys were trying to keep up with what the standards are um mm-hmm. i'm i I'm a firm believer that the strike in 94 did so much damage to baseball itself that you needed that home run race between Maguire and Sosa. Oh yeah. That bring people back to baseball. And what was a direct result of that was the steroid use. And you Mm had, um, that's kind of why, like I was okay when like you found out that like Pettit and Clemens were taking steroids. It's like, well, you might as well give steroids to pitchers as well. <laughs> you know, like, let them do it. Um, I mean, I also don't know if... I don't know if I buy into the whole, um, you know, it helped, steroids help with the, with the bat speed, so it made them better hitters that way. Like, I feel like 
Guys still had to freaking make contact with the ball in order to hit it out of the park. You know what I mean? That is true. That is the hardest part of the game is hitting yeah. a round ball with a round bat. Exactly. However, if your reaction time is so great, it, it certainly helps, I would imagine. Do you think that ster- do you think steroids increases like the bat speed or at least makes their reaction time better? Like that I mean I that so that's two different things. Yeah. Reaction time, yeah. I don't think that I don't know if that can improve that. Okay. However, like bat speed, uh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, if you're bigger and stronger, you Do know, you swing I mean, a bat faster. Yeah. I mean, you, well, okay. you, your reaction, like your comprehension. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like your reaction time might not be better, mm-hmm. but once you're swinging, you're swinging harder. Yeah. You know? Wow. Okay. And yeah, I mean, Although I look at like, you know, what's funny is that they always talk about exit velocity now. Imagine like, yeah, God, imagine if they were talking about exit velocity back in like the heyday of the steroid <laughs> era. Like what was Bonds's friggin' exit velocity in 2001? You know, oh, like, geez. I mean, like it had the, to be the bombs. He was hitting, man, 200 miles an hour. <laughs> like, I mean, he was hitting the he was hitting the cover off the ball. So but I mean, and I and that's why I think for, you know, I, I it's funny I was I was having a conversation with Pete about like the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and how like it seems like just random people get put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and it's like you kind of just go you know how come like certain people aren't in there more or how come a certain like I always say my biggest need to just rename it to like the Music Hall of Fame well like my biggest gripe is that Phil Collins is only in it for Genesis and I find that to be like mm-hmm. I find that to be like a, a crime against humanity because <laughs> Phil Collins' solo work or anything post Genesis is fucking amazing. And it's yeah, like I don't know I who he I don't know who he pissed on or pissed off or whatever, but <laughs> it's kind of like I feel like he's he's like he I don't want to compare him to like Kurt Schilling, but like I would have compared him to Jim Ross for Jim Ross, Jim Rice for all those years. Cause like Jim Rice, <laughs> Jim Rice didn't get into the Hall of Fame. There's still people that think he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but there's like Jim Rice didn't get into the Baseball Hall of Fame because he wasn't nice to the writers. I, you know, I, you know, this is a probably a bad look for somebody from Boston. I does does Jim Rice deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? My, I don't. I really don't think friend? he does. I don't know if my brother said he should be. I and that's I got to gotta look at the numbers. Well, my brother's but... favorite thing is saying is it's like it's not it's not the Hall of Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame, and that's well, his yeah, thing, you, know? you know. And I mean, like he played a long time, yeah, and he played with Boston the whole time. But he had like he did have like a you know he did kind of go down in his career. Like it wasn't like he he had you a know? decline in the later years, and you know, it's just one of those things where. Didn't, but like twenty four hundred something hits, like that yeah. doesn't get you there. No. No, that's the thing is when you runs. I mean, if you play for 15 years, like that's, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, he only won MVP once. Not even like 20 a year, you know. I mean, he made the top five MVP voting. He stole 58 bases in his career. Five, six. He stole 58 bases. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not. Didn't get 3,000 hits in his career, which I mean that that'll be an automatic pretty much that's an automatic 300 hitter yeah you know i mean like so i mean there's a player but it's not the hall of very good mvp yeah he won an mvp but like yeah but they let who was it 46 home runs was it this year was it scott Rowland? 
And like, yeah, I was looking at. I Scott can't believe that Scott at... Rowland is in the Hall of yeah. Fame. I'm looking at Scott Rowland's thing, and I go, "He was Rookie of the Year." And that's about it. And that's it. Like I'm like, he wasn't even like he was an All Star. And I mean, when they're yeah. looking through, when they're saying like the statistics, they're like, "He's Rookie of the Year, seven time All Star." Okay, like he didn't yeah. get three thousand hits. He just you know, barely he... got. Got uh, two thousand. Yeah, he just barely got two thousand hits. He was three hundred and sixteen a... career home runs. Like no. Bryce has more than that. Yeah, I mean, and yet it's one of those things where it's so that's where I, mean, I kind of come into he's this a career two eighty one hitter. Well, that and that's and that's why when you look when I made the comparison of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to like the WWE Hall of Fame, where it's like you just basically have to be on Vince McMahon's good side to get into the Hall of Fame. It's the same exact thing. I yeah. feel like with baseball and. And and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's like the Baseball Hall of Fame is like so stupid because there's guys like say what you want about Bonds and Clemens and 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 um, what Rafael Palmero. It's like they were there's there's cases to be made for those guys before they started doing steroids like crazy. Sure. Like, it was sure. a long period of like the entirety of Clemens's career with the Red Sox probably should get him into the Hall of Fame. And then he doesn't get in because he, you know, he did steroids or whatever. And it's like, yeah. is it that? Plus, he's a douche. I mean, probably it's more that. But like, Bonds, I Bonds' think, career I think in Pittsburgh, it, yeah. It, I think Bonds' career in Pittsburgh is like probably enough to get him in, you know. And I just think that. And again, I think that they were doing steroids because they knew that they needed to keep up with, you know, certain players or certain whatever and you know whatever the demands are their contracts whatever the reason is you can give a thousand reasons i'm sure um but i don't blame them and i don't think that their statistics alone if you have it's a statistically based thing you cannot keep yep. certain players out of the hall of fame because you don't like the way they talk you know or they don't like the way they <laughs> did things or they do you know blah, 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 blah. and and yeah like you mentioned like shaughnessy and it's like yeah shaughnessy who's a boston-based sports writer he's like the worst it's like you know you listen to some of the things that like these writers say and it's like it, it's such a i couldn't do it so i'm gonna make fun of guys i'm gonna make sure that i hurt guys that can do it and that's just where i'm at with like the baseball writers association of america and uh that's okay i'm never gonna make the baseball hall of fame my my one for three at fenway park is not gonna you know ever get me in there. what um what are your thoughts on pete rose I'm curious. I think We've it's a, a guarantee. A guarantee. No, but like you, you think he should be in? Absolutely. Yeah. I, first I do ballot. Too. He should have been a first I ballot Hall of Famer. I don't care that he. You know what? He never bet. He never bet against his team. <laughs> he always bet on his team to win. If they if they could prove that he bet against his team, then then I would say okay, fine, maybe. But even still, if he if you know could... twenty twenty something years of like doing great, you know, playing yeah. great baseball and hitting the hell out of the ball like yeah you know and even if you bet against your team once i still feel like come on man <laughs> and it's not and it's not even like it's and again do i think it's egregious i don't know it's not even as egregious as like the the white Sox, you know the 1919 white Sox, where it's like they literally threw the game because they were making money to lose like that's i don't think pete yeah. rose ever threw a, no. he never threw a game when he was playing I don't think he ever threw a game when he was managing. So it's even if he was betting against his team, well, did he do, how do anything you get, to... how do you get over 4,000 hits in your career? And then right. someone can like accuse you of trying to lose. 
Right. Now, if you want to do something like I went to the Hall of Fame and I saw like I think I saw like Bonds's ball that he broke the record and they have the asterisk next to it and they say like, <laughs> you know, but then again, they had the fucking asterisk next to Roger Maris for all those years. It's just so stupid. It's like <laughs> the fucking baseball purists. Some of them are just so fucking dumb. It's like, you know, all the, it's it's kind of like um, what's that guy that who's the guy on the on the Dolphins that comes out whenever a team's like almost perfect. Oh, um, it, it's like all of them. Yeah, but like it's the what's was his it name? Chula for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it's um, oh god, I can't remember his name. But like they bring him out, like it's like they dig him up for whenever Rocky's under. And they go, oh, what do you yeah. think about this team they going give them a bottle of champagne? Yeah, <laughs> oh, here's my fucking champagne. Like, it's like baseball purists are like that. Like, oh, Roger Maris didn't do it in 148 games; he had to do it in 162. It's like, eat a dick, <laughs> all right? Babe Ruth never played against black athletes. Let's see how Babe Ruth right? does against. Them. I want to. <laughs> that's what I want to do. Is I want to build. That, that's what I'll do if you, I build a time try, machine. Are you trying to edit again? Is that what's going on here? No, there's no editing in this. This is a true fact. <laughs> Honestly, if I had if I had my way, I would seriously go back in time. I would get. Which what year did you say was um his best year? Who uh, Babe Ruth? Yeah, nineteen twenty one. Okay. Get 1921 Babe Ruth. Put him up against um. Oh shit! What's his name? The pitcher from the friggin' Cardinals. Uh, Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson. Yes. Put him yeah. up against. But hold on. Put him up against Bob Gibson in. 1968. 1968. <laughs> that's, I that's see, the be- that is the best season in the history of baseball by a pitcher. I want to see 1968 pitch Bob Gibson pitch against 1921 uh, Babe Ruth. Give him like, I don't know what, 200 at-bats? I guarantee you Bob Gibson's ERA would not jump above 1.12. <laughs> I absolutely guarantee. And, I, and, I, and I'll take that to my grave. I don't think that there's... There's no way I, I I can commend what I can commend what Babe Ruth was doing, but pitching was different back then, and he was pitching against people who were not like the best in the best in the league. I mean, there's there's a reason why once they integrated baseball, baseball became fucking awesome. <laughs> like there's a reason why it's because you know there's something that just is. It, it, he wasn't playing against the best, and that's just when I that's my opinion. Yep. So you know, but. Uh, Neither here nor there. I, Chris, that was fantastic. I think you have a fantastic lineup. I my lineup is my lineup. I didn't do the I didn't I, I yeah, no, that was an excellent lineup. So I commend you on that. Um I think that's great. Uh yeah, no, this was good too. I like this. Um we should do this. I may have you back. We should do I think for football we should do similar, but we should do like a draft so that I can like take somebody from you. But it'd be funny because if we did years and we did like, you know. Like you might say, like Dan Marino's nineteen seventy five year, and I'll say like Dan Marino's nineteen seventy six season. <laughs> it's like, well, do you, we can still have them, so you know, um, so that's good. But uh, excellent. No, I think that's great. Um, I think uh, that kind of wraps it up. I feel like. Is there anything that you would like to say in closing? Uh, just just to wrap up my my roster i'm gonna say uh bob gibson sandy koufax denny mcclain pedro martinez and tom siever and, and a closer uh bobby thigpen and k-rod i was gonna say eckersley uh yeah you know i mean eckersley's great i love dennis eckersley yeah 
Um, you also named two other awesome closers. So. But yeah, I mean, like K Rod had has the <laughs> only sixty plus save yeah. season, yeah. and even though it's not the second best, um, I picked Bobby Thigpen because when he had fifty seven saves in nineteen ninety, it was like unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, like that was yeah. unheard of. I mean, yeah. obviously it was. I mean, the record stood until K. Rod sure. broke it, but no, um, but that's that is and even that was 15 years ago that he did it. So I mean, I know, it's still, right? yeah, it says a lot for Crazy. for somebody to save like you know even 50 games, let alone 60 or whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I remember again being like a younger person and buying baseball cards, and I remember in '91 everybody was making a big deal about Thigpen. Well, yeah, he just came off of an incredible season. Yeah, so. he had a huh. sub two ERA with fifty seven saves. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank yeah. you, Chris. Well, yeah. that is going to wrap it up for episode five of A La Carte with Keithy. Um, I know Chris is not really on anything that he wants to promote social media wise, yeah. but um, you can find me Flounder A two four at the Twitter, Flounder A two four at the Instagram, and. Uh, you can find me elsewhere, I think, on the Facebook if you really need to. Um, probably Flounder H04 on that, too. But um, And uh, <laughs> please listen to everything on the North-South Connection. I mean, we have some incredible podcasts. Um, I actually have been recently going on. Uh, I wouldn't even call it really a deep dive because it's only from stuff from last year. But uh, Seven Months of Danger which is, uh, it's actually, Chris will have no interest in this, but it's a discussion about the Dangerous Alliance from the 1991-92 WCW era. And uh, it's actually, no, they did, they... Oh, the, you know the, me so well. Well, the group of them, the group of guys that did it, like, they specifically set up to do, like, 21 episodes or whatever. And it's really fun if you're into, like, if you're into, like, WCW wrestling from, like, the 90s. It's, like, it's a really fun listen to. Um I have to say talking docs with uh, my friend Jenny from the Jenny position and also Logan Croslin and uh, Cowboy Roger, as I was as he's like talking docs on the North South Connections. Great. That's a show where they're discussing documentaries. And this season they're talking about cults and the episodes that they've released so far are so good and uh, everybody should listen to it. And then, of course. You have like the Jenny position. Uh, have you heard about Pluto? She puts that out. Um, everything that's uh, I'm on. You can hear me on Cronoso Monthly. Um, you can hear me on um, on the Place to Be Nation pop feed is the pop video jukebox song of the day. Of course, you can always hear me on the original show for me, which is GFA Live and uh, Multiverse of Fabulousness. I also showcase on and uh, that's on the North South Connection. But really anything on the North South Connection, you're not going to be disappointed. Those guys are fantastic. It's a wonderful family that we've developed there. And, of course, you can catch me on this. Please go to Twitter. Tell me if you think Howard the Duck would be better. If you loved Chris's uh, concerts and his memories of going to Steve Miller Band. And also, if you think that his fantasy lineup is good. Um, I know he would love the feedback as well as I. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to have you back. Um, you are a wonderful human being and a wonderful friend, and I love you to death. And uh, right I'm, so, I'm so glad I get to see you as much as I see you. Because um, I don't get to see L.A. Chris as much as I, I should. But uh, I get to see you almost as much as I should. So it's great. But, uh, so for Boston Chris, Concert Chris, however you want to call him, I am What? Thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for joining me. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.
said again, you learn to accept it, you know.